right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up live show and podcast presented, as always, by our friends at High Noon. Solly here, joined by my guy, Mr. Neil Schuster. How are we, Neil? Good evening, Solly. I'm doing well. How are you? Call. I'm doing all right. Calling in from Baltimore as well, Mr. Kevin Van Valkenburg. Hello, KVV. Solly, I'm doing great. You know I love the Tour Championship format where players of lesser skill get some some strokes, so that's uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. Players of more skill get the strokes. Oh, sorry. I screwed up the whole thing. Gosh, how did I, I, I – just clearly, that's not the kind of format I like. I like getting those pops. Uh, speaking of pops, I just popped the top of a high noon. And if you are a tequila lover who was never satisfied with malt based hard seltzer offerings, you're going to love the new high noon tequila seltzer now available nationwide. They're made with real tequila and real juice. They got a clean finish because it's made with real Blanco tequila. It's hundred calories. It's gluten-free, no added sugar. They got four bright crisp flavors, strawberry, lime, grapefruit, and passion fruit. I'm a big stan of the strawberry and the lime. Uh, I'm a big passion fruit guy. Grapefruit can't really do it. I, I've just decided I'm, I'm kind of out on it. Not a big Paloma guy. I've tried it. Just not not my thing. But hey, there's offerings for, for everyone out there. High Noon is great for any occasion under the sun. And there's no better time than summer to try High Noon Tequila Seltzer. Look for High Noon Tequila Seltzer on Drizzly or at your local convenience or liquor store or visit highnoonspirits.com to find it near you. Fellas, Impossible is what they played for, and Victor Victor Hovland achieved the impossible today uh, by winning the Tour Championship and captivating the hearts and minds of golfers everywhere. I'm not going to start sarcastically, even though I just did start sarcastically. I do want to talk a little bit, Victor, and give him proper credit because of all guys, like be happy for and be like, you know, kind of earn some life changing money on top of you know a guy that already has a ton of money. But man, I'm pretty happy to see Victor win. That's a dude that like I was trying to think of it today. I was like, dude, what's like the most unlikable thing? Victor Hovland has ever done besides the shirts. Is anyone anything come to mind? No. no, I mean I'm sure some some Sooners would have something to say about that. But you know how hard than, that is to achieve in today's yeah. day and age. A controversy free European player. What in the world? Uh, he's a he's a thoughtful dude. He's a young. You know, it, he's an easy guy to root for. You, you nailed it in the opening. I mean, he's the cutie pie, as your wife has said, the cutie pie. It's like, oh, even even now we were just watching him finish. It's like, oh, he's so cute. Like, I'm so happy for him. It's great. Good for him. Dominant performance, dominant finish to the season. Uh, I, I feel like it's you know a lot on the top of, tip of a lot of people's tongues and on the tip of mine as well. I should acknowledge that he has uh, ridden me to the uh, the top of the season long standings. Our, our chase for the DraftKings title. That would uh, be the most unlikable thing about him is that, <laughs> <laughs> that he, he completely cucked me coming down the stretch. Not much I can do about that. So, but in true Icarito fashion, I I will be. Wearing my FedEx Cup second place merch with pride uh, in the coming weeks. Thank you very much. We should see if Vic will join the Waffle House. If he'll come by just for you know a little uh, you know a little uh, patty melt maybe something. Yeah, you gotta enjoy. I, I do. Before we go any farther, I want to give my guy Joe Luke's on Twitter a shout out. He was saying that Nance missed a golden opportunity. To the victor goes the spoils. Should have been the uh, you know the call at the end there. And I think that's I think that's fair. I mean that's a that's a that's a good one. I think and uh, congrats he did to use Victor. Victor. He used he did, it. He? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I, it wasn't quite that that um, you know in your face, but it was uh, the season long victor. I think is what it was. And the, well, the reason I say that is that kind of sums up this event for me. And Nance and Immelman were talking a little bit about it in eighteen fairway. They were like, "Oh, this is such a massive." They were kind of talking about this is a big payday. It's eighteen million dollars, but they were almost like, "But it's a ton of stature with this win." And I was, was like, "Next cup points too." I was like, "Man, I just don't really." think that's true you know and so like that call like truly two victor goes the spoils that's what this was all about it's just it's a it was a massive cash grab and kv i think you said it earlier in our slack channel it's like the money is it's a big deal but it is it doesn't make me doesn't gas me up anymore to watch this event and i'm curious if you guys you know you feel the same way about that it just to me look it had a little bit of the live vibe today where it's like i just don't care like between you tell me it's $10 million, it's $18 million. That makes zero difference to me as a viewer. And I understand why you got to pay your players that, but what is it? Why am I as a viewer giving a shit? There has to be drama with it, right? There has to be like, oh shit, this putts for $11 million, right? I, I feel like I would care a little bit about that, right? It's such a comically large amount of money that it's like, you have to at least have that to have a five shot March to the end uh, is it's just tough all around. I, and I've 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 ridden for this handicapped format. I think it is better to just simplify it for the viewer instead of two tournaments at once. I've said that in the past. I might flip around after this. Maybe we are due for one of these, but like I, I don't think it I think Xander said this earlier in the week. I think we can do better than this for the finale. I've always agreed with that. I think unless they're gonna go match play, I thought this was at least a better way of saying, like, hey, this is simple. Here's what it is. But I it's really hard to sit here and knowing that Xander and and, uh, and Victor would have been tied at 19 under. And I know the, the tournament may have played out differently if the strokes were different, but they tied at 19 under gross and Victor goes and wins by five because he started five shots ahead of Xander on the leaderboard. It's just tough sitting here. They were due for one of these to kind of end up like this. And it's, it's tough to tough, tough sell right now. I would imagine if you're uh, if you're the tour. I think both those things can be true. I think it's better than it was. It was always tough when you had two separate trophies and two guys are, you know, getting celebrated at the end, but it's, it should be better because it's still it. And I think some of it like mentally for me, I know, you know, par is irrelevant and, and all that, but uh, when they start at minus 10, I wish the leader would start at even. I think Tron was saying this to us earlier this week. I totally agree. All the other guys should start over par. And and I just think that, like when it starts to get to 26 under just mentally for me, I'm like, this is turned into, it feels Mickey mouse, even though it doesn't really matter. Like it's, it's the same thing. I know that this probably sounds stupid, but for me, as I'm watching, I'm just it's easy to just glaze over because like one, the money is so large that it's hard to like make it meaningful to me. And they did a little bit of that with like I, I, the only example I actually can give is like Shank, you know, had like a four footer and they're like, OK, well, he's probably sitting at T7. That's like one point two million dollars. So if he misses this, that's like 400K, but they're not really making that a meaningful part of the broadcast. And if that's kind of what we're playing for is this money. I feel like that that should just be on the leaderboard like how much money you're gaining and losing like in real time i feel like they can't figure that out whether they want to lean into it i felt like they've leaned I know, into they're it stuck in the, the middle because in the past yeah. it used to be don't talk about the money but they kind and of now it's like, like talk year. about the money talk about the money last year because of all the live stuff going yes. on especially they were talking about it a lot and i think they got bad feedback about that but man it's just i, I threw out a little poll on twitter today like hey is this it or do you think they need to do something different? And I know Twitter is its own little weird thing, but 80% of people that responded to that said that it should be something different. 
I feel like that's kind of hard to ignore. I mean, you get 80 people, 80% to, of people to agree on anything on Twitter is kind of a shock. Inevitably, every single year on this pod, it comes right back to the match play argument. Why can't they do match play? And I'm sure there are the reasons, but I usually end the season on kind of a bleak note. And I feel the most bleak I've, I've felt at the end of one of these. I think if uh, can't lay or can't lay Rama a few years ago was tough, but this was, this was really tough. I feel similar to you, Sally. And I, I don't think it's just the format. I mean, as someone from Atlanta, I don't want to bash on Eastlake too hard, but the the golf course is, you know, excuse the pun, but it's kind of run its course for me. I mean, it's not doing a whole lot. I know they're going to redo it after this year, but I think, you know, late in August in the South, the rain delays kind of just pour truly cold water on things. And there's just a lot of, um, I don't know. It just doesn't have, it doesn't have the juice. I know I've, you know, I keep saying that, but that's a word I come back to. You just turn it on. You're like, ah, man, like, and I felt like, you know, BMW does have the juice a little bit more like last week, you know, it's a, it's exciting. And there's more guys. It's more of a real, feels like a real event. This feels almost like a exhibition in some ways. Guys, how do you, how do you think it would have been to do a live show when we were celebrating the Bill Haas victory in 2011? Do <laughs> you think that would have had any that juice? Was, that was dramatic though. <laughs> it was yeah. dramatic. It was dramatic. Playoff. Like yeah. at least, at least like I feel like this this format hasn't gone this way. It hasn't led to a blowout like this, but it is more likely to end with a dull result like we got, right? A a real golf tournament is just way more likely. That it's going to be less likely that somebody goes and separates themselves. And, and But on the flip side of that, it was not close, but there was some really, really good golf played. So that back nine, like Xander and Victor hitting golf shot after golf shot, like pouring in birdies. I thought the broadcast once... It's almost like the rain belay becomes a little bit of a blessing with the broadcast because they just get all the commercials out of the way. And I felt like we're, we're, we're seeing a lot of golf shots and I thought they had some great, they were commercial free for the back nine, by the way, the entire back nine. That was, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Like that was all good. I think that was scheduled though. And you're hoping, you know, kind of, you know, you're rooting for Xander just to root for drama. Um, But you know, uh, Victor deserves all the credit for just, he just like slammed the door shut at the end. And they're showing these, I do, and I'm curious if you guys feel the same way. They were showing a lot of the putts from behind the ball, and to see the way these guys roll that line end over end on these like 20 foot birdie putts, it's just incredible, you know. And I thought, I thought like that was seeing high level golf played was a silver lining here, even though it wasn't dramatic. Pretty good camera work, I gotta say, from those things. A lot of like low crouchy shots where the ball's in focus, but the the hole isn't, and then you see it rolling on the line. I give CBS credit for that. That was pretty cool. That's a CBS difference. They don't, they've obviously, re- we've given them a lot of credit over the last couple of years for them revamping their telecast. And we've never seen them do the playoffs. I don't think we've seen them do the playoffs, at least definitely not in recent years. And uh, it felt like it, they did not mail it in. Like we felt like NBC has been doing for quite some time. And, and it uh, feels like chemistry in the booth, you yeah. know, all those guys in the super tower, it feels like they're having a good time. It feels like Trevor's bringing in, you know, some energy out of Nance, which is awesome. And then it, it feels like having all three of the playoffs together, they're, they built some momentum and like almost cohesion the last three weeks. Um, I do want to shout out the cameraman too that was in the dead sprint to follow Victor Hovland's cart back out after the rain delay. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a, a camera. Uh, T, TJ, I forget the, the guy's name, but they uh, he was in a dead sprint following the camera and even uh, Victor's caddy was like, you're going to follow us all the way to number two. And uh, I laughed because they're 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 They actually zoomed back to a different shot of him, him running instead of the camera that he was holding. I'd been like, dude, I'm sprinting with this card and you guys aren't even using the shot. I'm giving you right now. Send it to me right now. God damn it. I'm putting in the effort. It, it actually is like being on site at BMW last week. It's, 
fun to watch the uh, the the hard camera guys. There's the the cameraman, and then there's the tripod man, and they get the shot, and the guys are walking off the green, and they wait, and they clear, and then it's like unclip, and it's like camera on the shoulder, and they're out. You know, they're like, okay, we got to move, go, go, go. It's like it's good, uh, it's good entertainment to watch in person. Neil, do you know what a hard camera is? Because that's a soft camera. That's a soft camera. A I thought that was a hard camera. Hard camera doesn't tower. move. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought. Well, I thought the. I mean, it looks pretty sturdy on the tripod. I, that's hard to me. Semi hard. Come on. If you ever want to really piss off a TV, I wouldn't call it a flaccid camera. If you ever Come want to on, piss man. off a TV executive, lean against the hard camera uh, on the. Oh, as you're oh, yeah. like watch. Oh, the bad, bad, bad. You can it, like causes little vibrations in the thing when they're trying to do the close ups. That's a way to get get your ass chewed on uh, in the, inside the ropes. <laughs> Uh, I, I just, again, CBS has truly given a shit about their product, which is kind of a backhanded compliment after many years of, of not doing it, but it is, it's something that it, it does stand out and it was badly needed on a, on a day like today. But I, I was supposed to start the show doing this, but just a quick play by play. If you didn't watch it all, Xander and Hovland both busted out. And the, uh, if I can also say a little bit of a crowning on the first tee uh, in terms of all the people that lined up to like applaud and shake Victor Hovland's hand. I don't know if you guys saw this on the very first tee, but it was like a processional. They followed his walk all the way there. And so many people almost like congratulating him on the first tee. And I was like, huh, okay. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens here. But of course he, he slammed the door. They both went four under in their first six holes. Xander then birdied eight to cut the lead to five. He missed a short birdie putt on 10, but so did Hovland. Uh, at this point they were put on the clock. Uh, which unless you're going to stroke them, there is no amount of money that they could have uh, find them that would have made a difference in this scenario when you're playing for a difference of $11.5 million. But uh, Xander birdied 11 to cut it to four and then birdied the 12th to cut it to three, uh, which I think looked closer than it really was. I don't think Victor's win probability ever got below like 92% at any point uh, on this day. Vic made all pars, and then he poured in birdies on the last three holes. Um, Xander birdied the last to shoot 62, but again, one by five, uh, which is the exact number of shots he started over uh, over Xander. Uh, question from David McDowell. Over under two and a half majors for Vic. And I, I got a big challenge flag to David here. We got to throw it to Neil for the over under first. That's, the, that's the deal. What would your yeah. over under have been, Neil? Nine and a half? Um, I mean, with all the close calls, it feels like he's going to you know, bust through the door next year. Realistically, I'm I'm ready to say four. Four. That's wow. so He's many. 25 years old. That's so many majors. I know it is, but it but come on, it's fun, right? It's <laughs> I, I don't I think that's because of his age. I think that's realistic. I mean, and he's really worked hard on his chipping. It's gone from a massive negative to slightly above in the strokes gain category around the greens. I, think- I mean, I think he's a well-rounded. I mean, we talked about it a few months ago, like this Morikawa versus Hovland career arc is a very interesting you know thing to monitor and i i feel like yeah so morikawa's got two i feel like hovland i mean if you want to say 2.5 is a better number sure but i think four like that that would be you think over under number. the over under should be four i thought you were just gonna I, say he's I, gonna win four i i guess what i'm saying is i think he's gonna win four do okay. i think that you know i'm not a clearly after my collapse in our with our DraftKings plays i I'm not a good gambler, so I'm a bad, I also, a bad line setter. I also think you ruined Nelly Corda's career by setting it at, at ten. <laughs> I laid the gauntlet down for it. You know what? That's that's not my problem. That's hers. To. So you said he's yeah. 25. Rory already had four majors at 25. Spieth had three majors at 25. Uh, what Tiger have eight majors at 24? So just throwing those out for context. You know, doesn't yeah mean for sure for sure. 
Kevin, I think we got to dig in on this. I think Neil knows something we don't. He knows something about major inflation. Like there's For five, sure. there's five majors on the women's tour. Maybe he knows he that could. the players is about to become a major. Maybe <laughs> yeah, like if you throw the players in, make it six, man. Oh, wow. Maybe Liv Bedminster <laughs> becomes a major or something. Like I, that's the only way to explain how he's handing out too many major trophies. There's not enough. So all right, to bring it back though, for real, I think David McDowell. 2.5. That seems like a great line. I would take the over on that. Let's, let's, let's do that. I'll go under just, I will go under for almost anyone sitting here right now. Like, will you win more than two and a half majors going forward? I don't know who I would take over other than like probably Scotty right now. Maybe wrong. I mean, I, I would take Mark Howard just because one more major would like, no, no, going for like from going sitting forward. here, will oh, you yeah. win two and a half more right from right now? Yes. Okay. I would probably still take the under. I, I think I think Vic's going to win a major, maybe two, but I just think it's really fucking hard to win majors. And it just, whatever we think the people are going to rack them up, they just don't. Well, I'm an optimist and I'm rooting for him. So I, <laughs> I, I, I like the over. I, I'm, I like my plays. I, I, I'm even more bullish on unders on this one. We just had a year where Wyndham, Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon won majors. Like, well, we, you we, guys, you know, listen, you guys are making some good arguments. Okay. I'm not going <laughs> to fight you on it, but I would, I would still like uh, to take the over. I, before we close the book on Hovland and, and talk about larger things, has there ever been an example of a player who was so freaking bad at one thing and then like turned it into a strength within you know, a year. I, I was really struggling to think of like a comp for this. And I just don't know that there is one. Can I yeah. challenge you? Yeah. Lucas Glover? Like, like six <laughs> months, mean, right? Well, if Lucas Glover had won the FedEx, that, that would be yeah, a, a good true. case for that. But I mean, like legitimately Hovland was among the worst short game players on tour and was like a miracle that he won Puerto Rico because all he basically did was hit every green there. And he was talking about, yeah, it's comically bad. And now he was like competitive in all in three of the majors and now won the FedEx cup. Like I I'm struggling to think of like somebody who, who saw a, like a clear shitty thing in their game. was like, yeah, I'm going to make that better. And step one is like acknowledging it. Mm -hmm. right, Not right? only acknowledging, but like being able to like joke on yourself and play on yourself and be like, God, this is so, so bad. Yeah. I remember yesterday the telecast or uh, the pregame show did a great job of going back to a Bay Hill. And like when they interviewed Victor about his chipping and like, Hey, this isn't good. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's really not good. Like, I know that and they're like, well, what are you working on? And this was before Joe May and, and everything. This is last year at Bay Hill. And he's like, oh, well, you know, if I'm okay, if I can use a little bit of bounce, but if it's anything at all leading edge, like I literally have like flashes in front of my eyes. I start seeing black spots. It's not good. But you want to talk about Neil, how quick this change has come after this year's tournament of champions. That's when he reached out to Joe Mayo. Longtime teaching professional out of Las Vegas, worked at TPC Summerlin for a long, long time. Started as a teaching professional, quit for a little bit, and was a professional poker player. And then when Trackman came around, he's like, oh, that's what I was missing, and then started teaching again. Uh, crazy, wicked smart dude when it comes to Trackman. But they started working on it, and it's not just short game between the two of them. He's really done everything full, like full swing, complete game to include putting. Now they've, they've added the broadcast talk. Uh, today about adding Eduardo uh, Molinari to do all his statistics and stuff like that. And then uh, Joe Sinclair, who's down here in Dallas, uh, does a lot of like the biophysics and 3D analyzing and stuff. Where Victor's talked in the past, he like is craving so much information and no other instructor has been able uh, to give it to him. Where him and Joe are like two 
beautiful minds to get together like this and they would just vibe off each other perfectly. The only example that I can think of on, you know, off the top of my head is, and it's not really the same thing, but like Max lose, you know, basically getting the driver yips and then now being back to one of the best drivers of the golf ball on, on tour is probably, but it's almost like he had that and then he lost it and then he got it back where it's almost like, I don't know if Victor ever was like a wizard around the greens. And just to be clear, like Victor's taken his short game from like an obvious deficiency to around average now, right? It's not like he's he's slightly not slightly above but, average, slightly he, above, very slightly above. But he he doesn't also doesn't need to be much more above that because he's one of the best ball strikers in the world, and he is almost ten uh, yards longer than average and five percent more accurate than than the average professional golfer. That combination of being long and accurate is so so deadly, and it's really hard to screw up from there. Then you add in the gains eight ten, eight tenths of a shot on approach in every single round he plays and also gains with the putter. Like, dude, you're just going to be an absolute top 10 machine and you're going to win a ton. And, and so he's going to win four majors. There you go. So that <laughs> you're, thank you for making my case. <laughs> it's very interesting, uh, but uh, incredible, incredible finish to the year. He finished T four at the open. He also had a, uh, obviously a T two this past year uh, at the PGA championship and then goes and just absolutely runs amok here uh, to finalize the, the FedEx Cup. And it's a very good time to play very good golf because he won a lot of money doing it. So that This conversation, though, KV, that question leads me to Scotty and putting, where it's like you, you're not really seeing that same attitude when people ask Scotty about his putting. It's kind of like a, you know, I, no, it's fine. It's fine. Let's get right to that, Neil, because that's okay. probably the top thing uh, on my mind. Too. I, I want to talk a little Xander, actually, before we get to that as well. But also, FootJoy, the unquestioned leader in performance golf rain wear with their new Hydro Series. They are raising their rain game even higher somehow. They've got incredible stuff. Uh, real golfers make every day playable, and FootJoy gets that. Hydro Series is the most comprehensive lineup of high-performance rain wear in golf. If you've ever worn cheap rain gear, you're going to learn very quickly that why you know the good quality stuff is so important when the actual conditions come. Uh, from mist to monsoons, they have a range of jackets that will get you through anything. Uh, these are jackets that look sharp, protect like nothing else, plus unlike a lot of rain wear options, the Hydro Series jackets are made specifically for golf with materials to keep you comfortable and swinging without restriction. They got the Dry Joy Select, which is the best of the best, the lightest, most waterproof and breathable jacket out there. The Hydro Light X, which is lightweight, breathable, and flexible for warm, wet conditions. Uh, then Hydro Tour for the most extreme, cool, wet weather conditions on Hydro Knit that wears like a mid-layer but protects like a high-performance rain jacket. All adds up to being able to play more golf and better golf regardless of conditions. So forget checking the forecast. Go to footjoy.com and find the Hydro Series jacket that will help you play in any condition, anytime, anywhere i've got a thermo hoodie on that they sent me recently that i'm wearing this almost every day around so i gotta say as neil well knows you know when i we were at the open championship it was quite rainy as it always is my golf clubs got lost on the way there they all my rain gear was packed with the golf clubs our friends at footjoy were kind enough to just hand me some new uh the hydro series stuff before it even hit the shelves saved my whole tournament like there's no way i've been able to cover it was was comfy, was not sweaty and gross as, as often rain gear is. So it was huge shout out to the FootJoy people for basically uh, making my Open Championship possible. Love that. Uh, Neil, before we do get to Scotty, I want to again shout out Xander for uh, yet another just f- fucking ridiculous Tour Championship performance. I made the joke earlier that he, he may lay in front of the bulldozers tomorrow and they go try to remodel this golf course because uh, he has made so much money from this golf course. If, if you don't mind, can I entertain you guys with what his FedEx Cup finishes are? Threw this out on Twitter. Second, fourth, fifth, second, second, 15th, third. 
KVV, do you want to do you want to repeat what you said in our Slack earlier today? I said, "Why isn't Xander better?" And I'm with you, you, were, I, you took it to me immediately. How dare you? He's like fifth in strokes gained in the last sixteen months, whatever. What more do you want? Listen, I've a been a massive fan of Xander, but I, I'm I'm with you, KVV, and I would love to unpack this. Okay, so part of the reason I said this is because. I think aesthetically, I love Xander's swing as much as anybody on tour. I think it's so like technically beautiful. And he just, it, it seems like he shouldn't miss a shot. Like I, I watch him, I remember watching him and Spieth play around together where they were paired together in Phoenix. And I was like, holy crap, like this is like technically perfect person who like nails every note and like a jazz singer who just riffs and every single thing is different. Like you cannot imagine how good Xander looks compared to some of the guys out there who just are like, like even Scotty, who feels like he's making it up on every single swing. And, you know, Scott, Xander hasn't won, right, since the Scottish Open last year in 22. So I just feel like he's been close in a couple majors. Obviously, he's very good, but we should still hold him to a high standard, right? Like he should be someone who are like, all right, dude, like why aren't you winning majors? You have too much game for this. And I remember like thinking when he, before the Torrey Pines US Open, he like switched his putter, like literally a week before he was like, oh, you know, I've been seeing a lot of guys having this arm lock success. So I'm going to go with, I'm like, dude, this is a US Open that you should win. Like, this is a perfect course setup for you. What are you just already one of the best putters in the world? What are you doing fucking around with? Like you're putting right before that. It just seemed like a very frustrating thing. And it, I, I just, I want more out of Xander. Like, I feel like. I don't, obviously he's not super interesting as a person outwardly. I thought he's very smart and he's like pretty clever when you get him like in a sort of one-on-one -on -one setting and he has interesting stuff to say, but I just, I want more from him as a, like a winner, like a killer. I mean, Vic showed today he was a fucking killer. Xander is not a killer. Which is well said. I, I think Randy and I have talked about this. He's approaching a, a bit of a Ricky situation where, you know, he's, he's, a lot of sponsors, a lot of attention, a lot of good results, a lot of the numbers are all there, but the, we're not. The checkbook doesn't seem to be balancing out with with the wins. And there's a question on here. Um, I would say the here. checkbook is is way above checkbook. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what you're talking. I think he. I'm saying he it's, is not, like, it's not producing he, big, as TC would say, big dick wins. Like, okay, because I think he's the king of playing like racking off these tournaments where they're worth a ton of cash and. Like majors, he just kind of he he just can't compete them yet. No, I'm I'm with what? you. He's like he's an ATM machine, but the, the there seems to be something missing to like. What, I know you're going to talk about all these top this. tens and everything else like that. Let's reconcile this really quick, okay? Let's how many this. how many has he actually been in contention? Late actually, in a Sunday afternoon, the Masters um, when he blew it on 16 was the last one I could really remember him. Like, are we going to win this or not? And that G3, was three years ago. Yep, he had a, a really close call at Carnoustie, 2028. Um, he was also the runner-up to the Tiger 2018. He's going to win 14 majors. We know this. Uh, that was 2018. 2019, he finished one shot behind Tiger uh, at that Masters. He's not had, like, the last two years have not been his best efforts. He had his six top fives in majors through 2021. None of them have come in the last two years. But he's won seven tour events plus of the Olympics. Um, I mean, look. He a lot of limited field events there in the in those wins. He's 29 years old. He's won the tour championship. He won a WGC. He won the tournament champions. He won the Travelers last year. He won the Scottish Open last year. Like, I mean, if we're comparing his record, like Victor obviously has won Memorial, BMW, and Tour Championship very recently. But Victor's other three wins were P Puerto Rico, Mayacoba, and the Worldwide Technology Championship in Mexico on the PGA Tour. He's Xander's four years also younger. 20, he's also 29. Four years younger. 
And I I feel like I was hoping that leap would be made a a couple. I feel like we're a couple years behind with Xander. I think all that's right. I I agree with you. Like I'm, I've been almost burned by it because I I thought he was going to major win a major last year. And then it was like, oh, well, you know what? He didn't, I'm going to miss on him this year. And then he, he just had, didn't even sniff one. And then you've got a question on here from Jake Bonneau. Apologize for no wins for Sahith and Cam Young this season. Well, let's without start- this finish today, at the last tournament of the year where he, he, he kind of shows up and finishes, you know, wins all the money. Why wouldn't we be apologizing for Xander? He's kind of in the same boat as those two. Yeah, he didn't win a tournament this year. That's not great, but it'd be different if, like, he, he again, this falls on deaf ears, and I know that, but, like, it's really, 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 really hard to stay above two shots strokes gained for multiple years in a row. Like, he blows so many dudes out of the water in terms of, like, Morikawa, Hovland, for that sake. Like, he, it's like him, Cantley, Rom, Rory, and Scotty are, like, the only five dudes that hang out above that number in that category, right? He doesn't have off tournaments. He never goes away. doesn't really actually slump. It's a sustained period of really, really, really good golf. Does the wins maybe not match that? I can accept that, but I feel like he gets dogged a little too hard sometimes in terms of, like, when is he going to actually the, do the one? question wasn't why does Xander suck? It's why isn't Xander no, that's better? Exactly. Right. And I think that's fair. I think the, if you, all the people that you just named have won a bunch of tournaments in the last few years and Xander okay. has you're not at, been, you're saying why can you not have more peak weeks then? Well, my point is if you're going to put him in that category with the guys you just listed, there's one thing missing for Xander. He's not winning the tournaments that they're winning. He's, you know, he's like he's more, not he's like got more wins than Scheffler does. Well, we, we're going to get to Scheffler. We're not there yet. <laughs> I think case in point of like how I feel about Xander is kind of how I feel about like how Wells Fargo finished this year. Like Xander basically in the driver's seat going into Sunday and like ended up losing to, to Wyndham by four. And at the time it was like, wait, what? Wyndham Clark? It was before US Open and everything else like that. But like went out and basically laid an egg in a final, final round when you're like, dude, this was your tournament. Like just, just go do something on Sunday. So if Xander held a 36-hole lead at Valhalla next year, would you feel confident that he could could close and win? Um, how big is the lead? It's two, we'll say. <laughs> or, or he's like, sure, I mean, like, it's not a huge yeah, lead. Let's say two because he's two because he's two shots better than everybody else is what you're I telling me. So let's I say he feel, has a two-stroke lead. I wouldn't feel confident with anyone that, that converted that 36-hole lead, based on on what the numbers would say there. But I, again, I started this with like one of the more ridiculous consistent runs I could possibly identify for any golfer in the planet. I'm kind of surprised we ended up here that quickly. I'm just going to say it back. Second, fourth, fifth, second, second, 15th, third uh, in his fed and season long finishes. That's so incredibly difficult. If you, I, I, I promise if you ask any tour players about that, they would recognize how ridiculously impressive that is to play that much sustained good golf for that long period of time. He's this and, and, and credit should be given for consistency. You're right about that. And we have a, comment on screen Xander has not missed a cut all year listen that's awesome and I I, Same with I agree with all the numbers and everything but I'm just personally as a fan of his a little disappointed that we don't get some more statement wins some more like you know put some like put some cases on people man like go get it done and I feel like the last three years there hasn't been a lot of that like yes travelers and Scottish had a nice little one-two punch there last summer but that was kind of like oh finally even before that, it was like, I felt like five years. It was all about like, oh yeah, but he won the gold medal. It's like, I don't really 
fucking care about the gold medal. It's all I'm willing to. Con- like, it's always like, oh, he's got seven wins, and he won a gold medal. It's like that. Yeah. Does that really matter? I'm Come willing on. to concede that the Atlantic Athletic Club is like Xander's Augusta to Jack Nicklaus. Like he's going to compete there Eastlake. until he's 50 years old. Like it's you know Eastlake, Eastlake, whatever the fuck. Eastlake, yes. <laughs> That's how little on, I care man. about the the uh, courses that I can't even remember which uh, the actual name is. <laughs> That's how boring it is to me. God, it's a drive by of Bobby Jones. Sorry. Unbelievable. Sorry. Yeah, you, you know, mean? Bobby Jones. He, he's he's had his reckoning. He's you know, he's done with canceled Bobby Jones. Never mind. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I want to see more. I, I feel like like he's a guy who should be winning majors. And if we're gonna dog Rory a little bit, which we should, we should hold Rory to a high standard. Obviously, Xander's not quite Rory, but we should hold other guys up to that too. He's a two plus stroke game guy. You're always saying that. All right, win a major now. Do you think he wins a major? Yes, I think he'll, I do think he won a major, one major. I think there's a lot of people going to win one major. Like I think, just think it's it's a dogfight every single time, and I think there's a lot of guys. They, look, stacking two and four together is really freaking hard. But one, yeah. yeah, he's good enough to win one. Neil, does he win a major? Does he win eight majors? The, the number would say the numbers <laughs> would say yes, he does. But yeah. I, I haven't seen any evidence of like I, I don't was know really if he got I was really. Out rooting for him in that masters when he dumped it in the water on 16 and that was kind of that was kind of jarring i think jarring for him and jarring for me as a fan of like oh like i think there's some scar tissue there if you're scotty scheffler what's what's your takeaway from this season what are you feeling right now as you uh as you leave the grounds of uh of atlanta athletic club as kvv would say what okay i can tell you what my takeaway would be i think i can also tell you what what uh scotty's takeaway would be and i think they're two very different things I think my takeaway would be, oh my God, I just absolutely pissed away like one of the all-time great seasons. This is maddening. I might be going crazy over this. Like, how can I not figure out putting? I used to be so good at this. It used to be easy. I think Scotty's takeaway is just to basically like white noise in your brain. Like, I can't even begin to think about this. Like, I'm, he's blo- I think he's blocking it all out purposely because if he starts to think about it, it's going to get worse. It's going to become a thing. And I think he's still trying to make it not a thing. My take on, like, I followed him for, I guess, 27 holes last week, and he looked, like, unstoppable until basically 13 through 18 on Sunday. And the putting, the putts he's missing, they don't look like bad strokes. And it looks like he's over-reading. It felt like he was missing everything on the high side. And now when I watch it on TV, I kind of see the same thing. I, I wonder if he and, you know, Ted Scott are, like, they're reading everything together. It looks like, and are we blending too much opinion? Like it almost needs like, I, I think this is total amateur opinion, but it's almost like, man, just you need to reset everything and maybe read your own putts. Cause it, it feels like good strokes, bad reads is what I'm seeing. And then that's starting to get in his head. He looks like he's about to freak out, but he's got it all bottled up. It's, like his reactions to these gnarly lip outs are just kind of like, yeah, everything's fine. He doesn't seem, you know, it's like confident ah, that it's going to come out the window. Right. We all know like what you're putting. If you can make your putt come out of the spot, you're trying to make it come out. You can make a lot of putts and it looks like everyone is a mystery to him, especially on short putts. It's alarming. It's bad. I think Kevin, to your point, he may be putting on a little front to the media, but with how much he's changed putters around, how many hours he's spent on putting reads at tournaments, trying to get this figured out, how many questions he's filled. There's no possible way. He is not completely dumbed by this, mm-hmm. like uh, completely dumbed. I mean, if you go back all the way back to, uh, I mean, he w- obviously ran away with the players, basically putting neutral, which is outrageous. He won by like five that week. Um, he was, and then you go to the masters. He lost a shot per round and should have won that golf tournament, led the field in strokes, gained T to green. 
He like neutral, neutral at, at Byron Nelson, positive at PGA, but then way bad at Charles Schwab. Horrible at Memorial. Slightly good at U.S. Open. Slightly good at Travelers. Lost stroke Scottish. Lost stroke Open Championship. Lost shot per round. Lost stroke FedEx St. Jude. Lost stroke BMW. Last in the field this week at the Tour Championship when you came in <laughs> in first place looking to win $18 million. What was the number? He was eight shots worse at Memorial. Like if he was dead last at Memorial, right? When Victor won. Yeah. And if he had just putted average, he would have won by eight shots. If he would have uh, had Victor's putting week, he would have won by 17 shots. Uh. <laughs> so, so tough to hear. I think here's what I would advocate. He just needs like a post Ryder cup, like a month away from golf. It's too much golf right now and too much like tinkering yeah. and like, hours on the practice screen and over and over i would just be like you know what me and the wife are going to take a vacation we're just not going to touch golf for a while and there's no like you know that doesn't matter quite as much with the season not starting up again now this is i think it's gonna be great for some of the top players to like actually get some time to breathe and i think that might be what's best for him so Ali, do you think you said talk about the putter the ball coming out the window do you think that his stroke is messed up or no, I don't. And I don't know shit about any of that. Like, I, I'm not going to like look at any, any pro stroke and be like, man, that doesn't look good. It just, doesn't look I look at, it doesn't look like Zalatoris. No offense. No, not trying to drive by yippy. him, but like, yeah. it, it's not yippy. It really isn't. It's just like, he's burning edges. Like he's hitting like really firm putts. It just looks like it's always on the wrong. Like it's, it's always on the high side is what I'm kind of seeing. Yeah. It looks just so unconfident, right? It just doesn't look like he's we all like you get into a, a you can get into a like a flow putting if you're like even if your read is wrong you'd be like if i hit it right here it's going to go in and you can you'll hit just hit a way better stroke like it kind of looks like he's unsure about everything and just kind of hits everything with a hopeful hit more than it is like dude i'm pounding this right in like i just like watching cameron smith putt and watching scotty putt the the stark stark difference in like the confidence and the speed and like just getting everything measured and accurate and right is and it's just like I, I don't I don't remember this last year from Scotty. It seems like a new thing. I mean, he was a really really felt like he made every eight footer he needed to last season and on his way to winning a shitload, uh, obviously leading up to the Masters. And man, it just this has gone on for a long time. Got a question, and we'll get to Ryder Cup stuff here, but got a question uh as well from from someone that said um, you know, uh, encore underscore T is Scheffler's putting at all a concern for the Ryder Cup? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we're concerned about that. Like, I, I think there's very good reason to be concerned about that going into the Ryder Cup, among a lot of things. But I will say, Sally, what's a little bit scary is that not a lot of people get to be better putters as they get older. Putting is kind of one of those things that you, like as players age, they start to get a little scar tissue. It's harder to sort of, you know, have the nerve to like really, like you just said. Like Tom Watson, basically at 34, 35, kind of, you know, stopped putting great and never won another major after that. And I don't, I don't think that's Scotty's future because he's, you know, where he's not that age and, but you know, you can be like truly gifted at this and be fearless. And then all of a sudden it goes and it just kind of, I mean, Phil's one of the few guys who later in his career, like got it back after having some like real struggling and, and putting. I, I said, to your point, I think it's a really hard thing to get back mid season. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I think with some off season time and some real time, like, you're not it's really really hard to make when when you're making a lot of changes it's hard to uh get like a big enough sample uh, you stop controlling variables right you start being like all right well I'll I'll add a line on the ball and I'll try this putter right oh, god and, 
You're, now you're speaking my language, brother. Start stacking, <laughs> stacking fixes. That's exactly. never going to work. I got and a lot of that going on right now. With a little bit of time, like I'm, I'm sure there's like a technological fix to what is going on. Like there's so much good technology in putters. Um, I think he really wants to make that specific putter work because he's had success with it. And um, yeah, it just, I don't know. DJ's gone through putting woes. Like I, I'm not giving up on Scotty's putting. I just, I'd be surprised if it turned around before Italy. I really would. As a, as a fan, and this is, you know, it's his right. He can handle it however he wants, but I'm, I'm drawn more to the Victor Hovlands who, yeah, my chipping sucks, man. Like yeah. hand it's up. kind of in I, denial. Yeah. Public. I would like, I would like to, you know, I'm almost rooting for Scotty to be a little bit more vulnerable about it. Like, it, it, let me in. I, I, not that I'm going to help you, but it's just like, hey, man, it's okay if you're struggling with the putter. You don't have to act like it's not an issue. I don't think that's helping. Is is my outside opinion? What else we got to get to? We got a bunch of a uh, bunch of questions here. Oh, congratulations to Roy McIlroy for breaking the single season driving record on the PGA Tour. Oh man, um, I was following this like it was the home run derby. So like, I can't believe what. Right. I mean, everyone keeps telling us how much it, you know the fans love the driving distance and how that's what drives the fan interest. But uh, it's, I think back on like some of the great like record chases. I think back of the summer of '98, Maguire Sosa, and I think of like Rory this year uh, chasing down this record. Um, I, if I'm looking at the all-time longest driving records seasons of all time, I wouldn't blink an eye at all at the fact that 12 of the top 14 driving distance seasons of all time have been in the last four seasons. I think that would be like. That 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 gets none of my attention, and I would not think that there's anything uh, of any concern related to that at all. So, can, can I ask a technical question? How do they calculate it? Is it just like are they taking every drive he hits, or like how, I've always wondered what's the the driving distance stat is two drives, same hole, everyone per round. Okay, um, which I've so, never understood why we can't just fucking add up all the holes. Like at, at this point, you can, but that's you, get, you try to do like drivers. Like it's gonna everyone's gonna hit driver on this hole, so we're gonna measure this hole instead of like, all right, we're not gonna punish Rory for hitting five wood off this tee when Joel Damon, sorry, bud, is hitting driver uh, on this tee. That's that's the reasoning. There is a separate stat kept for all drives, but they don't consider that like the driving distance. Uh, I'm, I think Rory should be pissed. I mean, I can't believe he didn't get any shot credit <laughs> for the, if that's how we're doing it, it's basically a member guest long drive, right? He should be writing his name down, putting the thing in the, in the fairway. I think that would get the fans involved, right? Like going up, going up and, you know, signing the, uh, signing the card. There should be a, a fall series event where they do have that, where they like, you have to write your name on thing. Like <laughs> yes. there's the closest to the pin. He should get some FedEx cup, uh, you know, <laughs> shop credit. I do think, uh, you know, another note from Rory this past week, a question from Glade Saratoga. Rory injury news was brutal for gamblers. I guess we just found out on Thursday that he hadn't played a hole of golf all week and that he was dealing with a back injury. Uh, he said, when is the tour going to implement injury reports? It's just, it's unjust to accept gambling money, have live odds in the broadcast and totally keep us in the dark. It's you know been what? Like, the Beluga agrees with that. It's been like 100%. 10 years since we've been talking about this and there's been no progress on this. And I, I have no answer for you, Glade Saratoga, that would provide any insight as to why the tour wouldn't want, like, feel a responsibility to provide this information to people that are gaming. Even college football sport. announced this week that they're going to have injury reports this year, essentially. The coach, coaches won't be able to sort of pull the same kind of shit that they uh, used to. Where they like, So it's I, you're right. Like, I, I'm not a gambler, but if I were, I'd be pretty pissed. You can, Maybe you can blame your beat writers out there who should probably be like, hey, Rory hasn't played a Rex round all week. Like, what's going on here? Uh, so... They needed Billy Walters to be out there getting the newspapers, scooping them up off of airplanes. So that, the, only, uh, you know, that, the only thing I can think of there is the difference with golf is that there isn't really like a team 
So there's not like a team physician or like, are these guys, you know, with football, with basketball, like you're checking, you're checking in with your trainer, you know, the team trainer is kind of running the like injury report and stuff. Whereas these guys are all kind of independent, you know, entities. Like, are they checking in with like the guy in the no bowl training truck and saying like, Hey, my, my back hurts. Like who, I don't even know if there's anybody on tour that tracks that stuff. That's upset. That's what they I'm should. They should implement a yeah. system. Like a, there are, I'm just trying to think about why it hasn't happened. I can see that, you know, there's just like, a, there's like a, a normal tour event, 150 guys. Like, I don't know if they're all checking in for like, how you feeling, bud? That's a great point. You know, they, they have to uh, register for a tournament the Friday before they have like till Friday at 5 PM Eastern or whatever. They should have to list like what current ailments they have. And then mandatory updates throughout the week until their first tee shot on Thursday, if anything changed. I don't know why that's not like built in there. That, I, I, like, I understand it's a, you could probably pull, it's a privacy thing here. And I'm sure there's HIPAA concerns or anything else like that. But if the tour is, is going to be taking gambling money now, like they should figure out this way to, to at least keep these books that they're now partnering with. Fucking uh, now, tight. Well, the, the books are going to be happy. Yeah, the books, the books are thrilled are about be, it. The betters yeah. are not. Bo the beluga well, is yeah. not happy about no, it. No, Tiger, Tiger, sure. when you say we would be when putting you say our you repaired your own wrist, what do you mean exactly there? Because <laughs> yeah. gamblers need to know yeah. you 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 have a lot of metal in your knee. Really? really? I just want to follow up on that. <laughs> Tiger, how do you feel? I don't know. I feel good. Oh. <laughs> uh, Injury report. You're right. Feels you're good. right, Neil. I don't know if there is a, a PGA Tour physician. I know there was an LPGA Tour physician because he he or she, I can't remember, but passed away earlier this year, like the previous one that had just retired. But I don't know if they're, if the tour has like a certified doctor. I, I assume they probably do somewhere. Because that's the difference knows? between like the, the NFL, the leagues don't run it. They, they talk to the trainers of the team. So there's like a, you know, there's like a middle man in all of this, like organizations doing all the organization of the information i think neil look let's not you know major league baseball nba nfl pj tour should not look to them for anything on how to engage <laughs> fans or how to like grow, make really uh dedicated fan bases at all right i think they should just you could either do it that way or do it your own way i think they should just do it their own way with pretty much every decision they make um i think is what they probably should go with sure I, it, really it's <laughs> fucking working man look at all these people we're the number number one professional tour wise. man that's that's Big exactly wise, what they though, think. i think so the dumb. stuff with max getting you know thing yelled at during the middle of his putt you know there's some issues with gambling that are going to need to be addressed and i feel like golf is mostly like uh let's just punt that down the road like let's we don't need to really like talk about that yet and actually like you should probably address it before it becomes a big problem right what, what did someone yell? I, I missed that with Max. What that happened? BMW. Someone yelled during one of his putts, I bet you miss it, like while he was taking the putter back. And so he he kind of jawed at him a little bit, and it became sort of a discussion point at the beginning of this week of like how big of a problem people yelling in stuff is. And the, the tour was very quick to sort of send out a thing. This is not an issue. It's not a concern. And Rom was like, it's actually like a much bigger concern than you guys realize. Like it's And so I think – getting ahead of that before it becomes, because the money is just going to get larger and larger and the incentive to, I mean, we're, we're talking about gambling in general, right? Because of all this stuff with Phil and Billy Walters and all that, like would someone do something to affect the outcome of a game? Would a, would someone potentially, you know, cross an ethical line and that all those issues are going to be a big fucking deal when it's too late. Like 
when they haven't addressed them and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, fuck, maybe we should have like figured out a way that like people get ejected immediately for this or like, you know, players have are not allowed to place any kind of bets whatsoever and they have to sort of prove that they're not doing that, uh, you know, in a way that like the NFL players have to. It's you just the NFL does a really good job of making sure that it's very clear what the rules for gambling are. And that's why the NFL is the most gambled on sports. Cause like, all right, Calvin Ridley like literally bets in like a parlay. He gets suspended for an entire year. That sends a fucking huge message to the rest of the football players out there. Don't gamble. And so I think golf needs to eventually have a conversation like that before they, they end up in a situation where they're fucked. They do have a specific anti-gambling policy that is very clearly stated in their handbook and is every player has to sign off on and, they, they have communicated that part very clearly to, to, to players it, all the way down to caddies too. Like caddies are not allowed to be like, Hey dude, this guy looks really good this week. You can't give off any side information and you definitely can't wager of any kind. That's one two for fans. Dude. I, it's kind of one of those things like you go to a, a golf tournament and everyone's just kind of bound by the whole same social code of like, yeah, dude, don't yet. Like there's like a thousand people on this tee. Like don't yell during the guy's swing. And I imagine people do get ejected immediately upon doing it, but I don't know how you, um, aside from like putting uh, muzzles on a thousand people on it, uh, you know, that you want to cheer as soon as it's hit. I don't know how you stop it other than like a quick, a quick pull. Um, that's something that I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like it's as easy to be like, Hey, do something about this guy. It's like, well, I mean, I, I have a feeling they're ejecting people that are, are causing any concern. So should the front. tour then force Rory McIlroy to disclose his uh, like back injury? Okay. Yes. Yes. Because I think that's yes. that's part of that it. Should it's be- like, all right, you have to basically say, like, are you injured this week? And I, again, like, private players are going to be pissed about that. Like, I we've thought that JT had like an injury throughout the season, and he, when we asked him, he's like, nope, I'm good. I, you know, I still don't know that I buy it. But if you're forcing players to disclose that for gambling reasons, I think a lot of them are going to push back, and and that's going to be an interesting conversation if they do. That's cool, and and I get the independent contractor side of it, but also like when you're when you're signing up as that independent contractor to take part in this event, like there, it's just a rule that should be put in place based off of the the tournament or, organizer that says these these are the things that you have to keep us abreast of. Like I, I don't understand like how the independent side of it would would make it so they can't do it outside of because they have all the leverage in the world. It seems like it, it will never happen. I don't know. How about uh, how about Monahan getting booed uh, during the uh, after being introduced at the trophy I mean, ceremony? I think it's just like welcome to being a, a sports made commissioner. Sure. You've made but, it. Yeah, like that's. I feel like that's pretty pretty par for the course in every other league. Uh, and he's. I think he's earned it. He's TC also earned said, it. So you know, golf fans have gone from indifferent to like I'm mad at you. TC now. said, "I've never yeah. been so proud of Atlanta to then in that moment." <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. I've, I would love to poll the audience of like, what are we, what are we booing him for? Like, I, I get the general sentiment here, but like, can you explain what he did wrong here? And just, I, I don't know, man. Like the live thing, like that's not good. Uh, I have a feeling that's what the answer would be. But uh, yeah, once you, you don't recover from that, like once Gary Bettman got booed for the first time, it happened at every. Uh, Jay should lean into it like Goodell did, where he used to like antagonize the fans at the draft to be like, ah, what? let's go. And, you know, yeah. when Dave Turner did the same. How long is Southern Company? How long are they locked up for? Because that would have been a tough scene if you have got to go back into contract. I think they're locked up for like until like 2030. But that's a tough, tough scene. Well, to this get. is also a weird one, like title sponsorship. I'm like, is it Coca-Cola? Mm. Is it Southern Company? Is it FedEx? Like who is the, you 2027. know. 2027. Who's the top dog here on, because 
Because you, you know, a casual fan, I would have thought Coca Cola was. Well, I will say, give them credit. A, a commercial free back nine was a cool idea. Like it didn't work out this time. And like, yeah, I'm sure we would have been infuriated by the number of commercials if it was a very close tournament, uh, because we always are. But, you know, it was nice to sort of have that in exchange. That's more of that, please. It's more like I, I'm kind of defeated on where we end up in terms of how we crown a champion. I'm pretty resigned and like, again, I don't really actually care about this stuff, but it seems like Southern Company, Coca-Cola, FedEx in general, pretty great partners of the tour, like provide incredible funding. A lot of the stuff that Southern Company and, and Coca-Cola have done around this event and I've done around the neighborhood and in and, and the East Lake area in general seem to be like really, really positive initiatives and really strong investment good tent poles for the tour to like say like, Hey, that's our season finale. I don't think it's great for fans, but it's like really hard to get worked up. Uh, it, it's a challenge in getting worked up. I am still worked up because I feel like it just falls flat. This end of season kind of title thing that I was kind of thought I was excited about this winter. And I, by the end of the year, just stopped being, but it's hard to like get mad at Southern company and Coca-Cola that are like putting up all the money for this. That probably are the ones that say like, no, we don't like want match play final. Like I, I, it's just like kind of hard to disagree. Like you get to the weekend of the match play and it's like, there's like four people playing golf on a Sunday. That's maybe one of your best hospitality days. It's just a tough sell. It really is a tough sell. Even if it'd be way better for, um, you know, the fans at home, which is like kind of where I'm, I wish I was smart enough to get to a place where it's like, all right, can we have a season ending event? That's just like a made for TV spectacle of some kind. Like, can we do the tour championship and then do the, the FedEx final, like match play top mm -hmm. eight, make it, Something like that on top of it. So you still get the sponsors. The tournament sponsor gets this event, but only FedEx owns the finale. It's at night. It's match play the week after the tour championship. And we go from eight down to one. We go from 12 down to one and give the top four buys or something like that. I feel like we can find a way to a better way to crown a champion than a handicap tournament at the end of the year. Also like a skills challenge, like a, make it like the all-star game. That's like also bring everything in. I don't know. There's you're right. I get weird with it. Well, I worry a little bit about the made for TV thing just turning into like the Capital One match, which like no hate on that, but it just it feels. But I mean, made for TV and that like, don't worry about the hospitality and putting a number of golfers that have to come through like that. That's a that's like a, a downside of having few players in the field or in match play. It's like people get to a tournament and they just want to like watch people play golf uh, uh, yeah. to a certain extent. And if you're ponying up a shitload of money for a shitload of hop hospitality to take your customers, you want people flowing through there, right? Like that's, that's kind of part of the deal. So it is a prohibitive factor in why we don't get match play. Everybody this time of year screams like, why can't we do match? Why can't we? But like, that is the answer, right? And it's, it's disingenuous to kind of not address that or not like uh, to skip past that at this point. That's what I'm saying. It's like, if we get one, that's not about like, have a, a standing sponsor that's not about all this hospitality. Let FedEx take their customers inside the ropes and follow matches. Like, let them do that. Like, that's some good-ass hospitality. I uh, can I throw a wild one out at you? Sure. This is as half-baked as it gets. Could we do some match play with some member guest scoring? You know, when people want to play all nine holes. So, like, each hole's worth, like, a half for, you know, if you, you know, but 0.5 if you split, one if you win. Like, so that way they all play all 18. And then you just kind of keep a tally on the points. And then maybe like the guys that start to, you know, I don't, but then I, yeah, I guess that's very yeah, happy. Yeah, maybe. Let's throw that in the maybe I'm pile. just trying no, here, no man. Bad I mean, ideas, he's throwing right? out no skills ideas. challenges. Come on. I got a horse race. Some guy just recommended we do a horse race. That's like, come on. 
Throw I, some more in the comments. Hey, I would love if this got redirected. Like, I'm good on everyone's ideas on, on how to finale this. For, I've got them for 10 years. Neil at nolayingup.com. Send them that way. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I think we just need like a Don Draper type figure to go in and convince Coca-Cola and Southern Company. Like, you need to have match play. This is what America was built on. <laughs> Let's go. Just convince them it's their idea. My God, I love that. Hey. It's pretty fucking easy for fans at home to digest. Like this person is playing this person. And if he loses, he goes home and the winner goes on. Like, that's what I feel like a finale play. If you're going to call it playoffs, that's what it needs to be. Otherwise, please just call it something else. Anyways, why do they have to go home? Just like cut it down. Cause there's nothing that says anybody who makes the top yeah. 30 is like, they get the same shit as whether you finish you second or 30th, right? You have to go play live schedule. And even if you're, <laughs> Well, no, what, I, what I'm saying is that like, instead of like taking 30 or whatever, make it through BMW to the tour championship, just say, okay, you, these are the top 30. Great. But really, if you want to get into the tour championship, the true tour championship, we're doing a 12 man match play bracket. And no, it's not like a lose and go home. It's like lose and you're going to play out until we yeah, yeah. figure out bracket into all those spots. Yeah. Yeah. You play a, and, you know, 11th place or something like that. I'm, yeah. You don't go home, but like you are not playing for the title anymore. Like if you, right. Lose. That's, I don't but know. Like, that's kind of what I was getting at with the member guest scoring. Keep the guys out there playing golf. So it doesn't, I think the problem with match play is always like Ryder cup is a tough fan experience because there's only four yeah. matches on the course at one time. So live, that's always going to be tough for a sponsor and for fans. So like, I get what you're saying with the made for TV thing, but it's also like the kind of also feels a little soulless. But I also want there to be match play. So, like, how do you get match play, but you keep all 30 guys playing golf for whatever it is, three, four days? I, I think made for TV, I don't mean it to mean, like, the match, right? I think it's just like, hey, let's just break the mold of our traditional tournament. Like, you know, it, it what they're trying to do is blend their traditional tournament model into like a a championship right and golf just like doesn't work that way it's really difficult to crown a champion unless you like like the reason why all the other sports end up with people going head to head like teams going head to head and i know golf is different but like hey dude the wimbledon final is one person versus this person and i know it's a totally different sport but like it's really really easy to digest when you flip on the tv of like this is what they're playing for so anyways, I'm excited that I'm pretty excited that golf, that, you know, the major, the PGA tour season is over. There's a lot more golf to play, but I, or, you know, to be played, but I'm excited to, you know, maybe get out on the golf course. Fall golf is right around the corner, uh, the corner fall golf in the mountains. There's nothing like it. Hopefully you guys saw the film room episode recently with Neil and Tron playing Omni Bedford Springs resort in Pennsylvania. Guys have been kind of a little out of the loop in and out of paternity leave, missed all the edits on that. Watch that video while I was, you know, while I was, you know, trying to calm down a crying baby. Holy shit, that place looked awesome. Like, I awesome. really, really wanted to play that golf course after watching that video. Uh, set in, in the Allegheny Mountains, popping with fall color. In fact, Omni has four mountain courses that would be incredible for some fall golf. There's, if we move south of Bedford Springs, but still nested in the Allegheny Mountains, is Omni Homestead in Virginia, where DJ and KVV, it says battled here in the in the copy. I don't know if I'd call that a battle, but Listen, they played a film room. Don't match. let your don't let your daughter see my chipping. All right, we can't we can't. There was a mat. There was a match. It did happen. Fresh off a stunning 150 million dollar plus renovation, it offers two of the country's most historic layouts: the old course and the Cascades course. Fun trivia: the old course boasts the oldest, the nation's oldest first tee in continuous use. Then even farther south is Omni Grove Park, located uh, in the North Carolina foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains and close to the scenic Blue Ridge Park. Parkway in Asheville is the ideal destination to experience the full glory of autumn hues, especially with its temperate climate during the fall months. And farthest north, 
Omni Mount Washington in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, uh, is located amongst 800,000 acres of White Mountain National Forest. The Mount Washington Golf Course, designed by Donna Ross, has been named number one best course you can play in New Hampshire. Uh, cannot say enough great things about uh, these locations. If you're looking for a fall golf destination, check out Omni Golf Resorts at omnihotels.com slash NLU. Um, let's react. Uh, let's go quickly, um, over to the, uh, DP world tour before we talk Ryder cup, uh, Todd Clements won in Czechia, uh, and on the, on the Ryder cup front, uh, Matt Wallace finished runner up Nikolai Hoygaard finished third Ludwig and big shot. Bob finished fourth. Yannick Paul, uh, finished 10th. The auto spots for the European side will be sealed after this coming week's Omega European masters. Luke Donald will make his captain's picks. On Monday the 4th, this segment is brought to you by our friends at BMW, a worldwide partner of the 2023 Ryder Cup. BMW will be electrifying the Ryder Cup with a fully electric fleet of vehicles for players and officials this September. Did anything change this past week uh, at the Tour Championship, do we think? Let's focus U.S. side for now. Did anything change this past week in terms of who you think is going to get picked? On oh, team? my God. Keegan, is he's on the he was campaign, on campaign trail, baby. The homeboy is is. You know, pressing flesh, kissing babies. I mean, he he's has really, to. He's not in the really cool. Put it out there as a. Uh, he wants to be. Uh, you know, a kind of a a, a steady veteran. Keegan loves on the, this team. Keegan loves what, the say you, I, I remain firm in my belief that Keegan has played really well in his two Ryder Cups and deserves another shot at some point. And this, he's probably not going to get on it because he's not part of the the cool squad. So he has to sort of be a politician out there. If Keegan played really well. At four and three, what what do we think of of JT's record in the Ryder Cup? Right? Does he does you he know have that where over I stand JT? on JT? You know, I've I've firmly pro JT being on the team. I can hold both positions, even though they're probably vying for that same spot. How do you feel about Keegan versus Ricky? Because I honestly think that's more of the JT has more of the intangible stuff. I don't really think he should be on the team, but I understand if he is on the team, it's not going to really upset me. I get it. Ricky's the one where you can make a really good case that Keegan had a better year than Ricky. And Keegan, they've both been on the Ryder Cup teams. You could make an argument that Keegan is a better pick than Ricky. What would the argument be? That he's played a lot better golf and that he's a, a better golfer right now. A better, just basically. Better Ryder that, Cup that history. Argument. Ricky's been a, nothing but a have machine in the Ryder Cup. Uh, better driver of the golf ball. Uh, not a better putter, but I think those are my two strongest points. Like has paired well in past Ryder Cups in ways that Rick hasn't. And in a course that is going to need a little bit of straight driving, at least, uh, I think that would be my best argument for Keegan. And what, and Keegan, two wins this year? I think one was a fall season event. Didn't he win Zozo? He did win. And then he won Travelers, right? Correct. With a lot of other top 10 finishes, plays well on hard golf courses. I don't know if that counts in Rome. So I'm uh, sure there's, you know, that, so you guys, you've seen the course, Sally. I haven't, uh, but I don't know. I, I think you could make the argument that Keegan is, you know, better. And I think he's higher on the list too. So you're already reaching a little bit to get to Ricky. Like he has a, a legitimate case that like, why wouldn't you take me? Why would you take Ricky other than also we learned this week that everybody. Rick, that Keegan still has that suitcase packed from Medina. It's got a bottle of champagne in there. That's been there for 10 years, a bunch of clothes that have to smell horrible. I really want that suitcase to get undone sitting in Keegan's garage. Uh, Adam Shupak asked him about it and he said, yes, I still have that suitcase that I haven't unpacked. It's a stew sink, unfinished business situation. Come on, let's go. 
what if I told you that he's most definitely not played you, better? Listen, I know what you're going to go this. Then I would, I'd love to hear the argument. half a shot like, better tell, in tell the me. stats. Is that what it is? That, 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 that that's, that's the sum total of the argument that says Rick's played a lot better? I mean, we're, I'm a results-based guy. I think two two victories over one is, is that's just good. because of a reach around schedule, though. Like if the, if the, not the, not in 2023, he doesn't have well, more wins. Sally, you've been pretty you've been thumping the the drum on recency bias here for okay. a while. Do you want to like, do the last three months because he's been a half shot better than than Keegan over the last three months? Over the last six months, he's got 15 top 20s this year. Keegan has six. Okay. I, if you want to go back to the Zozo to be the defining I, listen, factor I didn't here, that's say, not what I, I, would I am. Use. I am. It's a toss up for me. I, I didn't bring, bring this up as like, Hey, I'm riding for Keegan. I, my point was just as, as a, a legitimate question. I think like listening to his interviews today, I was kind of like, you know what? He does have a case, right? Like he's played really well. And I think he's been more consistent over the last, you know, let's, if we zoom out to two years, three years. Yeah. Ricky's back. He's got his game back, but like, you know, Keegan, he didn't win last year, but he played well. Like he he's had a lot of top ten, top fives. He's been like a he hasn't um fallen like uh like Ricky has. That's that's I, I think there's just a legitimate argument to be made that Keegan has a uh a, a you know a good case to be on the team is what I'm getting at. Keegan, if we're going strictly by the numbers here, which I know, listen, that's been, if you're confused by me using the numbers in some situations and not using it in some, some situations, <laughs> I understand that. I do. But Keegan has not been one of the 12 bust Americans from a strokes game perspective over any period of time, three months, six months, 12 months, 24 months. Ricky Fowler has been the fourth best American over the last 12 months. He has been the fifth best American over the last six months. And he's been the sixth or seventh. I can't count on, on the spot in the last three months. Right. So like Ricky Fowler has played sustained over any period of time, much consistently better golf than Keegan Bradley has. So sure. Okay. So maybe Ricky's the wrong guy. Does that but mean I, I guess going to play great in the Ryder cup? I have my concerns about that. I'm not like he's got a three, seven and five record. It's not been good when he has played in the Ryder cup. It's not been like with any authority. It's just kind of no real intensity in it. Do I have concerns over that? I absolutely do. At the same time, I don't see like enough from Keegan that makes me want to be like, dude, that's our guy and we got to go ride with. And I'd put him on the team over Ricky because it's been a very, very real renaissance, very well-rounded, really, really good iron play and very solid putting to go along with it. And still like within shouting distance of being the same driver as Keegan is, that spot's going to Ricky in my mind, especially when you think about the team chemistry factor, which is a very real thing in this. So I think Keegan's just battling an uphill fight that he's probably not going to win. Fair. I think that's a very good and fair argument, Solly. Would you, if I, let's take Ricky out. Ricky's in. What about somebody like Cam Young? I'm going to stand a little bit for Cam Young on this. I feel like he's gotten, he's been kind of the punching bag lately of like, dude, like what have you done? He had a very clear period of time, which he, that he did not play uh, very good golf. He um, has been in and he's, he's, he's way closer to the same golfer last year than he is this year. than people realize he's like, within like 0.15 strokes per round of what he was last year during a very, very special year. I'm equally concerned at his putting this year than I was last year at the president's cup. It was not very good. And he was not good in a lot of key moments in majors last year with the putter, but he's an immense talent. Um, I, again, I, I think his, his ceiling is a lot higher in that event than someone like Keegan. I don't, I don't know if he, uh, Keegan's not been a part of any of these teams. I don't think since 2014 uh, Cam Young being a part of this president's cup team last year is probably just an advantage of guys that are familiar with him, probably know who they're going to pair him with. And 
again, it's not like Keegan has like busted down this door enough to get this spot. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see the number or the chemistry factor that would make you say like, "Hey, Keegan hey, Sully, is the guy." You know what's, um, what's the hardest thing for the Americans at the Ryder Cup traditionally, especially in Europe? Foursomes. It's foursomes, you're, right? I mean, you're hitting the. Do you know yes, that Keegan's foursomes, record for sure, foursomes for sure. is three, one, and one in team matches? That Keegan's been really good to be paired with in general, and that's. What are they in I, Europe? Listen, I can look it up in just a second, but you got it. Because he went two and zero, oh, I know in uh, in foursomes at uh, at home with Ian, Medina, Ian with Phil, Phil beats Sergio and Rory at Glen Eagles one up. So there's a, a good he they lost to he and Phil lost to Victor Dubuisson and Graham McDowell three and two at Glen Eagles. So one and one record nine years ago. I I don't know what to make. Listen, of that. Listen, here we're picking and choosing. You can't choose. You can't <laughs> tell me JT is like really good and all in this match play stuff, and then all of a sudden dismiss it when it comes to Keegan. Like their their history is. Well, and the other thing is like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. JT went four and one in the most recent Ryder Cup. Dustin Johnson went five and zero in the last Ryder Cup. We never talk about him as a potential person. So I think we get we got let's have some consistency here in terms of what we're standard we're arguing in terms of like okay their Ryder Cup record should matter versus like their strokes gain should matter. And I think I think JT I I agree that that record should matter, but I think Keegan's also should matter in some context. If we're compare, we were just talking about Europe. You brought up foursomes in Europe, and so I said JT went four and one uh, in Europe. DJ was one and four on that team. Okay. If we're talking about that, right? JT's got an almost flawless Ryder Cup and Presidents Cup record, right? You're not going to zoom in on any period and be like, "All right, well, what about that?" It, it's really hard. You can do that with DJ uh, when he first of all he got suspended in 2014 and didn't get to make that team, and then went one and four when he went over the last time. And he's not played very good golf at all this year. Like that's why he's not really in consideration. For this spot like that that's okay. not that far-fetched jt has been on every team since then has been successful on every team and is one of the leaders of that team that's why he's almost certainly going to get a pass for how he's played this year which has been horrible no one has debated that and be a part of this team 16 5 and 3 is really different than than dj's I overall just think team record. keegan has been really good in all the team competitions that he's been a part of he's been good at president's cup he's been good at two rider cups I think that ought to matter for something. If JTs are going to matter for something, we can't say, "Oh, by the way, those were uh, JT, those were too long let's ago." Set JT but aside, then, though, you know, JTs. He was four and three in the Ryder Cup, though. That's is that really he good? He lost two like, singles. Or is that just two he singles was one, matches? One and two, but the re, he, was, two he paired great with with everybody else. Okay, he was two and one at Glen Eagles. He lost one of those matches. He was three yes. and one at Medina. And he's four and three overall, so he'd be one and two. He lost. A, sorry, he only played three at Glen Eagles because remember Tom Watson uh, sat him and Phil, uh, whatever. The, he, he was writing things up on a napkin, or whatever. But Keegan played really, actually, pretty darn well in his matches at at uh, Glen Eagles, in my recollection, and played certainly really well at Mirfield. So I'm just saying, I, I think, I guess the whole reason I brought this up, I'm not because I, I think KVV's making the the point is that like. I feel like we've written Keegan off like, oh, he's not making it. And then you start to dig into it. You're like, actually, I think he's got a pretty good case for it. Especially like the Cam Young thing. Sally, I'm kind of in your corner on that. And I know, Cody, it's your boy. Like, Cam Young is one of, he's like one of those draft picks. It's like, oh, he projects so well. You know, he project, but it's like, Keegan's kind of like the boring, like, ah, well, we know what we're going to get from him. Like, All right, so so we know that Europe is really, like, the setup's going to be fucked. It's going to be very difficult. We've talked a lot about how what a dumb decision it was to bring Phil and to bring Bryson last time. So what are the what are the cannot take him? The course setup will not be favor this person players right now on your list. So you're like, I, I look, 
I will not make that mistake again. This is not like where we sh they should have brought Kisner. They should have brought Keegan maybe last time to Paris National. Is there a, th a thing where out there where a player you're like, look, we cannot repeat the Phil Bryson mistake? I was going to say Phil. That'd be, that'd be <laughs> uh, if, if, you, if you're like a really, like, honestly, a name that comes to mind would be like Sahith. Like Sahith is not a good driver of the golf ball, like somewhat long, but like not accurate. That's a bad course fit, right? Like you got to be a good driver of the golf ball for this course. Again, I've said this a bunch of times. This is not the golf national distance will be rewarded on this golf course. It is not a strictly accuracy contest. So it's, I don't think like you need to make a tailor-made team for this golf course, like the golf national, they should have and didn't. That's a hindsight thing. Cause again, I was totally fine with the captain's picks they made, but this course is not screaming like, Hey, you need the Kevin Kisner style, super accurate driver, um, Russell Henley, whatever you want to say, like you have to have this guy of all things. I think Russell Henley has one of the best cases, but again, it's like, you go back to like who gets along best with these guys. Who do these guys want? These guys know each other's games really, really, really well, way better than we know them. And they know who, like who the guys are that are really hard to beat the guys they struggle to beat and the guys that like they would want to go to battle with way better than we will. Right. And like, that's probably a reason why Keegan's not going to get the nod. And I struggled with just like he like well he was he was confirmed one and two at Glen Eagles nine years ago. He was great at Medina at home eleven years ago. I don't know what that means, Kevin. It might mean everything. He might totally. It might mean nothing. I I, I, I understand you're using the time. Uh, it, one of the biggest changes in golf, specifically in Keegan Bradley's golf, came through this ten years ago stretch, and he had to completely transform his fucking putting game. And look, he's come so far since then. Like. You're using it and keep saying that, which I understand is a qualifier for your argument. But like Keegan's game was completely rocked by the anchoring band and him taking this long to get back. I think I didn't think Keegan Bradley was ever going to be back in the spot that he is right now. And he is here and he's playing damn good golf. And I understand JT is going to be on this team because he's part of the club and right, wrong or indifferent. Like he, he is and he's really good at the fucking Ryder Cup and people are going to ride or die for JT. You're right with Cam. Cam was injured the beginning of the year. If you're looking back, like Paul Tesori, the the caddy switch, I don't know if Paul would say, oh man, like the guy that I was with versus the guy that I'm with now, they're both potentially captain's picks here. And everybody thought Ricky was washed up. Ricky's going to be on this team. Paul was with uh, Webb Simpson, not not Keegan. Excuse yep. me, you're right. But yeah, meeting Ricky there. Uh, the only thing that I would say somebody who we realize is like not in the conversation at all that I can't believe you guys haven't brought up so far. Lucas clever, man. It's a shame. That was a joke, by the way. I feel like it's just, I feel like we've done you, you guys are going to keep going round like and round and round on this. It's, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, Zach's going to pick who he picks. We already know that Fred said, yeah, he, you know, cam is going to get a pick. We know yeah. that Keegan's not going to get a pick and it's going to be okay. Cause JT's a hell of a Ryder cup player. I guess the only part I would push back there of what you said there, Cody, is like, I don't think JT's going to pick because he's part of the club. I think it's because they those guys genuinely think he gives them the, he's one of the guys that gives, the 12 guys gives them the best chance to win. There's no, there's no, like, this is not a sympathy 45-year-old, like, he's been good Phil Mickelson pick that they've done in the past. Like, that that's not what this is, right? This is not like a ceremonial pick for JT. I think this is like, dude, I think we're going to go to battle in France. Well, it's not and, based and, off current play. It's not, it's most certainly not, but it's like, who, when it goes down to match play, do you think that guy's like, who would you rather have in your corner than Keegan? I would guess a lot of those teammates would say yes. They might yeah. be wrong. I, I might be, I, 
I, I'm maybe more conditioned, like thinking of how they're probably thinking. And I don't, I might not be seeing this clearly. I could totally see JT laying a complete egg in that first morning and be like, oh shit, man. Like this really was a way bigger fundamental problem than we understood. But like, I also can see, like, again, I go back to the Sergio and that guy way more than anything we've ever seen on the U.S. side of like, dude, they've taken those guys and they've been a pain in the side of the U.S. for so long. And JT has been that guy ever since he joined any U.S. team. Yeah, I think JT, I think he's a match play stud. I think Keegan was a pain in the ass. Except for the Austin match play event when he doesn't want to play because he doesn't like the course. Outside of that, you're right. He's a match play stud. (laughs) I think Keegan was a pain in the ass to the Europeans back when he was before the putter change. And I feel like the the, some of the same qualities are are there too. It's like he's going to annoy the shit out of the Europeans. Like Miguel man has almost gotten a fight with him in the course once during match play. Now Keegan got his ass kicked in that match, but you know, Katie, I'm kind of right. I'm kind of with you. But I, I think we are burying the lead. What about Kisner? What? <laughs> oh, I, I, I can't believe we're not talking about this. It's I unbelievable. Feel like, I feel like I should have like a little bit more goodwill earned up for like the last time we did this, it was Kisner versus Scheffler. And it's like, I even if I get this one wrong this year, I feel like those two will balance it's, it's out. I'm going to leave you this, Kevin. I'm sorry to do this, but okay. Keegan's last Ryder Cup match nine years ago which this might mean anything or might not. He got beat five and three by Jamie Donaldson, right? Like, I don't know if he's been a pain. He's a pain in the Yo, side. Jamie Donaldson was a fucking dog in that match, though. He, like, there was, was a world Jamie Donaldson was, was take Jamie Donaldson's Jamie Donaldson mouth. mouth. Unbelievable. Uh, that was, they got steamrolled. That, you can't, like, tell me about that, that shitty Tom Watson Ryder Cup in general. They were uh, completely done at that point. They were so pissed off. They wanted to knife their own captain. They were just sharpening the knives in the background, getting ready. Like, that, I, I can't take that as, like, the closing argument here. I so remain, who are you removing not, from the team? You're removing JT for, for Keegan Bradley? I'm not removing JT. I am... Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to have the talk. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly, I would, I would take Keegan over Cam Young. Uh, I would say, like, it's kind of where I'm at too. And I you, know that's a future. It's a, you know, oh, well, this guy's going to be around for years and years. I do think Keegan gives you a better chance than Cam Young in this moment. Cody, what, what do you think of that? Yeah, I said that last week, but I, I changed my mind. You know, I was sending all the pictures. Nobody liked my photoshopped uh, Glover pictures I was sending over this week, but <laughs> I think uh, Cam, Cam's on the team. And JT is on the team. Who does and Ricky's on the team? Where I think we're in agreement there. I, Charlotte made a good argument for Ricky. I think that's fair. He has played better golf. He's uh, you know he he fits in. There's good chemistry. I think the the knock would be he hasn't been great in the Ryder Cup, but I, I don't think I think he's earned it more than some of the other guys we're talking about. I think I he's think earned they, it more than Cam Young has. Your your point, Sally, about how I think JT. It's not just that he's part of the cool kid club. He's you know he's got this. I think it's a little of both. I think they they want to go to battle with the guys who have been pushing this in one specific direction for a while, and I think that matters. I'm not going to say that it doesn't. I don't think it's just always been good in the past with the Ryder Cup. There is sort of like okay, like we know that we want Spieth on the team and we know we got to pair him with somebody who feels really comfortable with him and has been really good. And so I think those are all things in favor of JT's uh, inclusion. I just think that Keegan deserves a little bit more credit than just the dismissal of like, ah, that dude ain't it. No, like he has been it at times. Like I think he just deserves a little bit more consideration in this. And that's why he has felt like he had to go on this political campaigning system where he gives like a really good interview in the rain to be rain day sort of uh, rain delay because no one kind of is considering him. And I think that's a bummer. I think, Kevin, to clarify, I yeah, think he's, he's, a 13th he's trying man. to whip the votes. 
Yeah. I think he's the 13th man. And if there was like a Zalatoris injury that struck the U.S. between now and the and the cup, I think I would want that spot to go to Keegan. Like I, I would feel good about that. I would feel totally fine with him being on this team. I just don't think there's a spot for him. Like I, there's no one I'm unseating out of those six for Keegan. Uh, right. Are we just totally at just from the just asking questions guy? Are we are we sure about like Spieth? Do we feel good about Spieth? <laughs> no, because <laughs> no, he's just kind of an automatic not. bid. But I don't think he's an automatic bid. It's just like no, but he's on the team, and it's like well, he's been playing like kind of kind of crappy, but he did make the tour championship. I can't I can't figure out. Maybe that's just Spieth <laughs> in general. But it's like I don't know. Is he playing good golf right now? He did not get right. automatic bid, by the way. He's going to need a captain's pick. That's what I mean. And yeah, yeah. we don't, haven't even mentioned him yet. Is like, and I, like, I think what's in favor for that is that he and JT have played really well together. You know that pairing is set. Like it's always hard to figure out who to pair with whom, and that you know that's a, a lock right there. That you can play them in in all shot. You can play them in four ball, whatever, and they'll probably do pretty well. They've shown that time and time again at multiple Ryder Cups, and so I, I think that's probably JT like. Jordan's best thing is like, all right, if, if JT is going to be on the team, then why not just solve this other problem and have speed be with them? They don't have to play in five matches. They can play in three matches. And we know that's going to, you know, give us a good chance at winning two of those three, of those matches, at least. I was just asking questions. No, no there's a good I'm question. I'm not trying to start it's, a fight or anything. No, that's, <laughs> that's I, a great question. I feel like speed ends every year like this, where you're just like, dude, what are we, what, what, what are, are we doing, doing here right now? Yeah. Like, Dude, whatever it is, when those two get together, they are an incredible team and they piss people off and maybe the teams against them just don't play good golf, but they win a shitload of matches together. And I'd be absolutely stunned if they were not in the morning four ball. Uh, I don't know if they've been, I assume they'll, they'll go four ball in the mornings that you do in Europe. I would be very surprised if they were not in the opening uh, morning slate at, at Marco Simone, along with Xander Cantlay, Scotty, and somebody that I haven't figured out yet. And maybe Max and Morikawa. Like, dude, that's... Feel pretty if I'm the if I'm Zach Johnson, I feel pretty good about running those eight out that first morning. Brian Harmon and Scotty, I'm calling it. I think that'd be part, sweet. I don't I don't have an I don't I, I don't have an answer. I don't you know I don't have a strong a, a no or yes to that. I again I'm so intimidated after learning how they actually put this stuff together. I'm so scared to like actually suggest like yeah. these two would go great together because the the couple of times I've done that with some of the stats guys, they're like, um yeah, yeah, that'd be the polar opposite of actually what we would do. And here's why. And it's, I mean, it's super interesting. It's like, it's a totally different stat platform on slower greens and on rough that's above this height level and fairways that are like this. And if they're par five scoring, you want guys that have uh, like very like variables in their par five scoring versus par three scoring. So they're not covering each other up with birdies and all this stuff, like gain like a little bit of a slight edge is how they put it all together. And um, you know, giving guys the right distance of shot in. If this guy hits this shot, then we want this guy who's the best skill from 180 to 200, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's really boring, but it's is really, that, is that a better method than Tom Watson like, getting a napkin <laughs> out? Do you think, and like changing things up 20 minutes before the pairings or well, who they paired together? Burek and Mayhan uh, in foursomes and they never practiced their <laughs> golf ball. And Mayhan <laughs> ran out to go practice. Like, I think that's the U S team has come a long way since then. I really would like to think so, but. Who knows? They'll probably play like shit in Europe and lose it all over again. And here we go again. So two years is a long time. What I, what I've thinking about today is like, it seemed like the Americans were going to have like a dynasty. They're going to kick the shit out of the euros, whatever. And now like two years later, God, so much has changed uh, in the world of golf. And all of a sudden you got all these Europeans who look really good uh, again, when a year ago they looked like they were dead in the water and 
you know, I, I honestly think euros, I would say are, are a half a point favorite, like at home right now, like that, that would be my pick. If I was, if I was a betting guy, I'd put money on the euros because 30 years of history matters in this. I was, it'd be because something freaky happens over in Europe every single time. I, I think it's maybe a little exaggerated, like how, how good the Europeans look. I think at the very top, I mean, obviously with Hovland, I don't like Rory. Okay. Finish to the year. Rom pretty meh finish to the year. Lowry very much just okay. Golf Fitzpatrick had a good playoff event, but um, it, it, I don't know. I'm not totally convinced this team is like super stacked and they've got some weird stuff going on at the bottom. Yannick Paul could still earn a berth in onto this team. Uh, one of the final spots in the, that'll be available this coming week, Nikolai Hoygaard or Ludwig filling that, that, that final spot. I've been very pro Ludwig. I believe one of our other colleagues, I think has mentioned it as well. Um, and I think they should do that, but like a, a lot of, there's some question marks down there. Well, I know we've, we've dogged, you, you forget about Fleetwood. We've dogged him for not winning, yep. but he is playing. A, he's had a very strong end of the year. He's been all over every leaderboard. So there's still time <clears> I, I'm with back. you, KVV. I think that Euros have kind of snuck up. I'm like, oh man, this is going to be very yep. competitive is, is what I'm there's, thinking. There's still time for a lifetime European tour member, Patrick Reed, to renounce his U.S. citizenship and see if uh, he can get on that Euro squad. So like the 12th man on the Euros. Well, I want to, I feel like this leads in, I have a question for you guys. Uh, it, it, I know it's like there's a player of the year award to be named, but who do you think, you know, in air quotes, won the 2022-2023 season? So you got the three guys at the top. You got Scheffler, two wins, 16 top tens, number one in the OWGR, no majors. Brom, four wins, Masters champ, 10 top tens, number three in the OWGR, but kind of has petered out a little bit. I'd say the last, what, month, two months? Finished 18th in the overall standings. That, I know. Wild. That's wild, isn't it? Wow. But it's like you look at that numbers, he's got more wins than anybody, and he, you know, won, won the Masters. It's almost like you forget about that. Rory, two wins, 12 top tens, no majors, of course. Uh, so those are kind of the, you know, the big three honorable mention, I guess, Victor two wins now wins the FedEx cup, all the prestige. Hell yeah. Three, three wins for Victor. Three wins. What was the third Memorial BMW in this? Oh yeah. Memorial. I, God, that's right. Three wins. Okay. So that, that kind of bumps him up the list. Is there anybody I'm missing that you would, you would throw in there as a potential winner of the season? I got one, Neil. Yeah. Brooks Kepka. Brooks. Brooks reestablished himself as a top player won a major it's competitive uh basically was like proven as it's right like you should have taken the money like you got, I got my 200 million and you're never going to get it had himself a kid like everything about brooks's season he didn't have a kid kinda, sorry jenna had the kid everything came <laughs> everything came up in favor of brooks this year and i think uh overall like uh pretty successful winning season for him he also won a live event just that's exactly that brooks probably made what you know 15 20 million dollars this year which is about what, you know, uh, freaking we just made from the tour championship. So I'd say Brooks, that's my yeah. dark horse pick. It's a really hard question. Um, I think if I'm looking at like wins and results, there's no season I'm trading for ROMs, right? Four wins in the masters. There's, but it there's doesn't no feel like that. Right. And, and, yeah, and that's and, such a, that's such a statement on this FedEx cup where it's like, we should be yeah. talking about like Victor's the winner, but it just yeah. doesn't like, that's why well, I was sitting different, here thinking though. about it. Golf has its peak moments are just not at the end, right? Its peak yeah. moments are down through the course of the year. And dude, if you're picking one tournament to win, it's the Masters. I don't think anybody won any. No, nobody won more than four times. Also, he had three wins to supplement that. One at Riv, which was like sneaky, like just a freaking awesome tournament this winter. Or how about the tour, the the century when he yeah came back six shots down? I mean, I think an iconic shot for me of the year was you know 
Colin flubbing that chip on 18. Like, that was tough, man. That was tough to watch. But Rom comes storming back. And then, yeah, and at Riv was that was incredible. So, but you almost forget about it, right? Because it's, it's six months ago. Even though he did come up just barely short of winning the Grand Slam, um, he, he had a runner. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> he had a runner up at the Open, too. Like, it, it's Rom for me. I mean, Scotty, like, had the better golf year but i don't know how you don't end the year disappointed in what you got out of that i know for a data guy like you what best best strokes gain season since tiger it's it's fair to say like scotty was a better golfer this year but you would not trade that for rom season right i mean yeah. it's it's there's a difference in like looking at who the better golfer was and like who had better results there and i, I don't know that's pretty obvious i think so okay i think brooks is up there i, I would it's I, honestly once you list that out it's a tough one between rom and brooks I would Maybe. I would say with the controversy around Team Smash, um, that that brings that brings Brooks down. <laughs> it is, thing, yeah. you know, bad I mean, team chemistry. Bad, yeah, well, they're they're still together. Like he hasn't, uh, you know, they haven't executed a trade there. And then Matt Wolf didn't he just win or he played really well? I don't give a shit enough to look, but uh, he played well after, and it seemed like uh, things were much more kosher. Maybe he just need a little kick in the ass. They couldn't trade during the season, which like. In- <laughs> In their defense, right. I can understand how you'd be confused at this how this uh, this thing is actually running on rules. But I think they they thought they could trade him, and they learned they couldn't, which I understand is a, a rule change for next year. Um, I just I think throw, in, I'd in also general. throw Wyndham Wyndham Clark yeah. in there with, I mean, statement win at Wells Fargo, and obviously the U.S. Open, and then really good finish. I think he was what fourth T three. Like I mean, played like consistent solid golf all season. I think Wyndham's clearly established himself as a true like top 10 player in the world. Uh, it wasn't, you know, it, the U.S. Open win elevated him, but honestly, the rest of the season and, and what he did at the Tour Championship was like, all right, I'm going to validate that. I'm going to prove that I'm I'm not going away. I'm not just like, you know, it, the fact that we look back someday, it's like, oh my God, like Rory lost the U.S. Open because Wyndham Clark beat him. It doesn't, it might not seem that sort of damning years from now. It'd be like, oh, Wyndham turned out to win two majors. He's a legit, really good player. Do you want to talk about somebody we were talking earlier with somebody that flipped a skill? I mean, Wyndham was negative 0.6, negative 0.5, negative 0.6, negative 0.4 with iron play in his four full seasons on the PGA tour to positive 0.5 this year. Almost a full shot gained per round with irons is a monumental flip in a long game skill. Like you just do not see guys flip something around. Like that's if you look at people's the top players' pages. They're like green, 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 green every year. Like they just are always positive. Nobody goes from that far negative to that far positive that quickly. And yeah, he has, he's like a, he's like a post hype sleeper in that he has all these tools that, uh, you know, so much of this potential that like ne- it just took forever to kind of pop. And now it's like, oh yeah, dude, I mean, hits, swings like 190 miles or ball speeds like 190 miles an hour and has good iron play. Like, dude, you're just going to play good golf if you combine those two things. So I'm glad he's got it straightened out. I think it was just pretty, been pretty so-so since the u.s open no top 10 since then and hasn't really been that competitive but obviously a good strong finish to the year and we will 100 million percent be seeing him in rome so flip flipping this though at the end though who is your most disappointing uh person of the year i that's a uh, you go oh yeah jt would be an easy answer i think more division yeah is up there for me mm-hmm. I, I really? just yeah I, I just feel like he was kind of a non-factor and I think he almost regressed a little bit. And then maybe, maybe some of that's just hobbling on the rise where you're like, Oh, wait a second. Like we kind of thought Morikawa was the guy, two majors, like guy, you know, nobody strikes it like him. And I just felt like he had a very disappointing season. Nobody was hotter at the beginning of this season, Neil, 
than Morikawa. In the short game, Chef, we thought this was going to elevate him, bring him, and who would have thought it turns out being Hovland and, and Joe Mayo. I mean, it's funny because I, I remember that from late last year or January, like, you know, Morikawa's picked to win, uh, you know, at L.A. Like, oh, my God, nobody hits it like him. And it just he had that collapse at Century, and it just kind of got everything off on the wrong foot. It, it, I, I have trouble reconciling it, and I'm not the only one that feels this way. Um, and that I, I kind of want to agree, yet it was his best statistical season yet. Like it was his best numbers yet. Did not have the peak weeks. Did not have the the wins. Did not have the top. You know the the things that people remember, which is I think why we why I feel this way, and why a lot of people probably do. But iron play was as good as it's ever been. I mean, just really freaking solid. Which is, that surprises me. It is just like it just didn't pass the eye test. I mean, this is where it, you need the eye test. There was it just wasn't there for me this year. I don't see a like a a a hole in his game. Uh, you know, when I look at his finishes in the top twenty over the last four years, 10, 13, 10, and ten, including this year. Obviously, uh, his wins go two, three, zero, zero over the last two years. So the no wins is obviously again what people will remember. But um. I, yeah, I think maybe in those years he was winning a lot. He had just weeks that he was totally forgettable. And this year he was just kind of more even keel and level. And we don't have the wins to remember a season. But yeah, you're not you're not trading, uh, you know, you're not trading Keegan season for his. Like you'd much rather have had Keegan season uh, than Morikawa, even though even the Morikawa is going to win the strokes game. Like Keegan had a better, better results, got more out of a year. So I feel like, uh, you know, I got to got to mention Rory. I feel like, you know, no major. That's disappointing. Another a few close calls. You just. I'm sure he's disappointed in that too. And then normally it's like no major, but like, Hey, let me go win the $18 million. And then just felt like <laughs> yeah. body kind of fell apart at the end too. So hopefully he can, he can get healthy and, and, you know, get it back next year. I feel like I got to nominate Cantley. Like I, I, Patrick's a better golfer than max. And yet these have the same kind of like major problem right now where they're just not competitive in majors. And I feel like, Patrick should be held to a, a high standard at this point of like, why are you such a, like, why have you never, ever been competitive in this? Like, it just, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Why someone who hits it that good, who puts it that good, cannot find a way to be competitive at the masters or at LACC or, you know, it's just doesn't make sense. He and, he and Xander, his buddy Xander, they're just the, uh, they're the strokes gain bash bros. Uh, we do this way too often. We can't compare Cantley and Xander's major records. They're not the same. They're not the same. Xander's been competitive in majors. Cantley has not. That's fair. But I, I, I guess lack of one. I, I would say Cantley has more statement wins than Xander does. Feels like you know tour champion last year, BMW twice. Like those feel his feel bigger at bigger times in the year than Xander's do. But I, I feel like Xander's probably like you're saying more consistent overall, better finishes in majors. So it's kind of a toss up on who's more disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. We had a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of questions. I think we can maybe save some of these for the fall. I wasn't sure we'd have enough to talk about tonight, but uh, it turns out we had, we had quite a bit. Always good. Always enjoy a good spirited Ryder cup debate on the LPGA. I've been kind of waiting for this to finish. It looks like Jin Young Ko is lining up. She is leading by one shot currently at the, uh, in the Canadian open over Megan Kang. Uh, lining up a putt here on 18. Cody, you know what this is for? What are we looking at? This is for par here for Jin Young Ko here at the par and 4 18. Great. Center. Oh, look You're at Cody. Five seconds seconds his, radio, his radio voice here. <laughs> you <laughs> took the call away from me, hearted it. Slight fist bump there as she uh, shows the crowd her appreciation. Gives Georgia Hall a great big old hug. 
Like uh, Kang started, needs to birdie the started the round five shots back. Not a good day for Megan Kang. She uh, just bogeyed 17th, sent it eight under par. Uh, needs to do something here on 18th. Cody, two years since Jin Young Ko had a win, looks like. She won this year, didn't she? Didn't she win? Uh, she won Founders this year. Okay. I was looking at the Wikipedia page, which is not updated, which is the perils mm-hmm. of that. So, uh, no, you're right. Sorry. But it's been, a, it's been a while. So maybe it's majors. So that's what I was looking at. It's been a while since Jin Young Ko was really good. Come on, majors. KBV. A journalist like you knows you can't I source know. from Wikipedia. I know. I'm sorry. I, yeah, it's, I definitely apologize to the pod. It's, I know Did that's you a back, back this year, earlier this year. Okay, let's uh, strike that. No, <laughs> almost. Yeah, she won. She won uh, the HSBC and the Founders Cup the next week. Oh, I'm sorry. That's March and May. Sorry, two months apart. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Doing this on the fly. Um, Solheim t- picks were made on the European side this past week. Cody, Matt, um, Suzanne Pedersen selected Madeline Sagstrom, Gemma Dryberg. Carolyn Headwall and Emily Christine Peterson. What's uh, you've been following this situation closely? What's your reaction to those picks? Yeah, I would say uh, Emily probably uh, two kind of outsider picks there for Captain Pedersen, but all in all, like team dynamics wise, uh, she went out and like Randy and I said uh, on the podcast and then talked about it a little bit on Twitter. Like this European squad is like a bunch of dogs, man. Like they're they're coming for a fight, and that's the squad that she picked. A lot of them based off of previous play. Uh, and then relationships that they have with the rest of the team and then with Captain Peterson. But it is going to be a tough, tough, tough European squad uh, for Spain. Tough. Not good, especially as we continue to watch this. A big mea culpa for me from the uh, our Solheim preview podcast. I was talking about Lexi and Lexi falling out of the LPGA uh, points list. Megan Kang just absolutely just stuffing it, it here <laughs> on 18 to four off. feet for birdie here. Kang, the pride of Massachusetts, a great uh, Rhode Island prospect. But uh, yeah, it was bad. I it, I messed up with Nel, or uh, excuse me, with Lexi. Either way, she was going to be a fall off the the U.S. Solheim Cup list on the normal qualifying period. But the Rolex fallback, she's going to take that top spot there automatically on the team. Uh, and now it basically comes to her. So is she? Does she want to play and and compete and be a part of the squad? So far, she's saying, yes, she is. She's playing the next two events leading up to it. So we'll see if some increased play, because I think she's only played in like six events so far this entire year out of 30 available. Mm-hmm. Um, gets her game in form here. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what Stacy does picks tomorrow. Excited to find out, though. I'm sure we'll, we will have. Uh, when, when's the next scheduled reaction to that on the uh, LPGA pod front? Well, we're, we have a LPGA pod Cincinnati week, so in two weeks. But honestly, with everything that we have going on next week, we might do something or we'll do, uh, you know, a Twitter thread or IG live or something. But we'll we'll react to. Yeah, we'll react to uh, the picks once we have them. Like, again, again, I said tomorrow. So I think it's like uh, noon Eastern or something like that is when the announcement is. To check in with your editorial director, see what's his written content that can go up live on the website. Um, is that Twitter thread? We're not right. I don't write for this website. <laughs> that, that falls under my purview, damn it. Take it up with someone else. Uh, this coming week is the Walker Cup at St. Andrews. Um, I believe it is going to be aired on the Golf Channel in the mornings. I've seen a lot of conflicting reports on that, but uh, I'm excited to watch that. David Coker shot a uh, 59 on the Corn Ferry Tour. Third 59 this season. Got to admit that was news to me. Did not see that one. Uh I don't know how it compares strokes gained to Bryson's 58, of course. God, those guys go so low on the Corn Ferry Tour. It's got to be very demoralizing to try to (laughs) 
It's crazy when you see the scores for those tournaments. Uh, it it still it blows my mind that like people shoot fifty nine. Everyone's just like, ah, okay, cool, cool man, that's cool. One of my uh, back when there was only like four people who'd ever shot fifty nine. A buddy of mine had a great idea to write a book about like all the four people who'd ever done this and and went and interviewed him. And in the interim of the time that he was like writing it like three more people shot 59 what uh and it was like oh the book is totally fucked now and so he had all like, this stuff written for this book and that never will see the light of day it's like george rr R. martin just like can't you can't finish you're never gonna finish the series it's just not gonna happen yeah. too much going on um alejandro toasty i think i'm saying it right was forced to withdraw from a corn fairy event for a disciplinary matter this week uh still waiting for more uh information on that but apparently this is like this dude is like patrick reed on steroids in terms of uh disciplinary problems and uh i i don't know what it take what you have to do to like cursing out volunteers and doing all kinds of stuff i'm, I'm waiting for a report uh full report on what is early exactly sources happened. are saying it was a bit of a lifetime achievement award yes uh <laughs> i've played with him before tour. you've played with him i have yeah i played with him in a practice round for the latin america amateur championship one year at casa de campo when he was i think he was a freshman or sophomore at university of florida and he would he so you got to watch out for a lot of the uh, players from South America because they they just start flying off words in Spanish and they'll say like 15 cuss words in a row, like after a misput, very, very loud. And then when you like, you know, we're playing down uh, south somewhere and you have uh, everybody around you is a Spanish speaker and they finally like realize what you're saying. And he was like very much like red faced flush, like, oh, I can't do this anymore. But he's uh, he's had a run in multiple run ins in college as well as amateur play. He, uh, you know, he runs hot. That's the number one thing. And he kind of has this thing where he, he, what starts happening is that the people who are in his group start reacting to it because you can see by these outbursts and like, Hey man, kind of calm down. I guess there's something the last couple of weeks that he's starting kind of, uh, directing it more at volunteers and things like that. He also has like a lifetime achievement award for not being able to add up his scorecard. And I'm not talking about like cheating. Okay. I'm not saying like intentionally stuff here. Uh, there's been times I know in college he had multiple events where he was his coach, his assistant coaches would go into the scoring tent with him and hover over his shoulder to ensure that he got things correctly added up. So I don't know if there's something going on there or whatnot, not saying that he's like intentionally like shaving strokes or anything. He just has str troubles with scoring. So there's a lot of different things going on with the, uh, the, the young stud there who already had his card locked up. So It'll be interesting because I think this is one of those things where the tour is never going to tell us what the hell like actually happens. But I know Ryan French from Monday Q has been kind of beating this down. So I'm excited to see what his reporting is going to be from it. We missed it. You talked about that 59, but shout Can out I, to Chan. Really quick, just say for legal purposes, uh, Patrick Reed is not on steroids. Uh, that was a, a, a comment that I just made. That, uh, it was a, a, a comparison that I made, which was alleged comparison. I uh, just want to take no legal responsibility in any way for any of those statements. So thank you for uh, the comments in there that were warning me. I should get in front of that. Yeah. End of the season uh, grind here on corn Ferry tour and shout out to Chan Kim who ended up winning this event uh, in Boise and shout out to Albertsons. One of the best grocery stores doesn't get any respect out there at all. But anyway, Chan Kim back to back winner uh, here, which is tough to do. Like Neil said, when these guys are like, it's just a, a horse race out there, man. They just go so freaking deep. Wow, man. Great. Anything I'm else? To I, I, I'm trying to stretch this out here as we watch we Megan Kane line up, line up this putt here on 18. 
Uh, the ball is finally back down. She's removed her mark, settling down, given a couple looks. You know, I will say this, laughing about uh, when Big and I went over and did radio is truly one of the funnest experiences that we've ever had. Because I think we all, at times, we've been away from radio or from TV coverage and had to dial or tune into the radio. It was so much fun to do. Can't wait to have another opportunity to do it. I'm still I'm, waiting. This I is might, where you talk about the birds and the trees and uh, weather. I clouds. might be doing some at the Ryder Cup, by the way. Just uh, allegedly. I don't know. I might, really? I might be popping on radio. Just popping. She in. made it. Back now, to nine under. We got how a are you ahead of me now. We got a playoff. <laughs> uh, so congratulations gonna, uh, to either uh, Megan Kang or Jin Young Ko. Uh, uh, our editor, you can just, just dub in here whoever ends up winning this year <laughs> as, uh, as we wrap up our live show. Kevin, you're going to say? Well, I was on that on the note about Tasi. You would have been so proud. So I, you know, my daughter played in her first like real tournament uh, this past week, and she did the thing where you exchange cards with the other person. She'd never done that before, and so in the tent they were adding them up afterwards. And the girl was the other girl had written down that she had had a five on the first hole, and my daughter was like, "No, I had a seven. Like that is not right." And I was so proud of her for being like. I add my score up correctly. Like I'm not going to take the lesser score. I was like, Oh, we, we we're working on, we're, we're building something here. Oh, I love that. Willing to, to right from the jump be like, uh, uh-uh, uh, you messed this up. So, uh, for people that are asking about the Marco Simone video, uh, it will be coming out this week. After BMW, we just didn't say when after yeah. the BMW. Every, yes. every time you ask, it gets delayed another week. So the, yes. the beatings will continue until Moran yes. improves. It reminds right. me of uh, the film, or not, the crash course that we did on Wild Horse. That was TC, like, announced it, like, way too early. And then people were just <laughs> dogging his ass for, like, two, two and a half months. Like, where's the Wild Horse really video at? If you guys are wondering why it's to, I wanted to make sure ZJ picked JT before he saw the rough uh, on this golf course. That's, that's, that's the reason why we've waited this long is uh, I'm very corrupt and wanted to make sure that didn't interfere with anything. So anything else before we wrap? Stolly, I want to say something. Thank you for an awesome PGA tour season as the 2024 calendar uh, on the PGA tour wraps up. Uh, I think from live shows wise, of course, we're going to have live shows for Solheim cup and Ryder cup. But being the fact that now all of a sudden we had designated events, elevated events, whatever the heck they are, it's been a, a heck of a run. So thank you for uh, sitting in the captain's seat almost every single episode, even when we're close up to the wire on on Baby Watch. But uh, it's been a ton of fun. Thank you for one, running the ones and twos and making it uh, a place for come, people to come hang out on Sunday nights. And thanks for all the people that are involved in the chat and uh, and listening and encouraging us to do these. It's been a lot of fun. This was uh, a big undertaking for us this year, and we're gonna we're gonna keep it rolling. Shout out to High Noon as well for uh, mm-hmm. for putting these up. And uh, yeah, it's been a, been an adjustment for us to do these live, but they've, it's been really rewarding and a lot of fun. And uh, it's it's fun to kind of get that live interaction with people as we're doing it and. Um, I love the video aspect as well. So, um, all right, well, that is it. We are probably not going to have a show next Sunday. We'll have an episode, but probably not a live reaction to the week, um, on Labor Day weekend. Um, a lot of people got a lot of stuff going on, people traveling for Walker cup and weddings and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and we're, we're paid by the PJ tour, of course, and there's no PJ tour event next week. So they want, they don't want us promoting well any other golf out there. So that's, that's the big takeaway. Of course, here. <laughs> Draw so. the dots, draw the dots. <laughs> so I guess that's the end of the season. Uh, yeah. I, I hadn't really thought about that until just now, but, uh, yeah, very, very weird, very weird sport that we follow. And, uh, it's a lot of fun. So. Thank you all for being here. Thanks for everyone in the chat. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening on the pod. And we will see you back here soon. Peace. Bang away! Be the right club. Be the right club today.
Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different?